comparison here, um, just so that you know, uh, James's mic uh, recently d died and it isn't working and we couldn't order one in time, so we had to share one, so James and I's audio is a bit, like, echoey. So I'm sorry about that, but hopefully it should be still a good episode, you know what I mean? Uh, bye. Hello and welcome back to Role Playing Games. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is James Clark. Hello, good day to you. And of course we got Sean Hunt here and he is here every day for a summer. <laughs> Go on then, bring in the noise. Listen, this is a podcast about role playing games and we're now going to talk about what's coming up in today's episode. But before that, let me just say, sorry it's been a while, but for the foreseeable it's going to continue to be sporadic for details Please see episode one one three. We did just just sub to the Patreon, obviously, but just you just remember that it's going to be it's it's just a little treat that will come out every so often, all right? So so someone has to if they want to keep up with the law, then they have to. You got to watch. You got to listen to every episode, but especially one one three, and not only that, but uh, do subscribe to the Patreon. That's important. That's really important because it helps I keep the lights on. We will not make any episodes if you don't. I had two people asking me when the next episode's coming out, so here it is. This is for you. Those two people. Yeah. Well, that's that's that is our peak listeners is two. <laughs> and I was, Sometimes three. I was sort of banging on Harrison's door. I was like, "Yo, when's the podcast coming?" And James was, you know, he yeah. was down. You could see. Yo, you know, when's the podcast coming? Right. It's pretty whack that we haven't done one for a while, Holmes. Ex exactly. Yeah. So it's just us two. We're we're just making this for ourselves. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We are the two listeners. <laughs> yeah. Sean, Sean doesn't listen. No. <laughs> That's what uh, it is. Anyway, today we've got feedback, news punch, what you're slaying, where we're going to talk about what we've been playing. We've got the main subject, which is going to be Savage Pathfinder ruined RPGs for us. Aww. And, <laughs> and of course, we're going to do uh, electro letters as well. Shall we do some feedback? Yes. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah. We take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So, um, our last episode was about how to run an RPG setting at school, right? And we've got a, 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 a message here from Owen Lean. He says, Dear 3T RPG, I can't help but notice you recently did an episode on how to play a game set in a school, yet mysteriously didn't mention once a Pathfinder... Once... The, right, Owen, for, for starters, right? You're a writer, that's your job. And you, you can't figure out... Right, and he says, Mysteriously, you didn't mention once a particular Savage World school setting that have not only played a game of but have also sitting on a review copy of fire over three years he translated into chinese then backwards again and that's what he's done haitian creole um he says do you perchance forget bartington halls even exists and if so is this because despite being sent a free copy on the day it was released you still haven't fucking read it with disappointment <laughs> and lack of surprise owen lean so yes he made a school thing for uh for Savage Worlds called Bartington Halls. It's an adventure slash mini setting. It's quite good. I actually did read it, Owen, but uh, yeah. you know, we don't we don't talk about bad games on this podcast. I we just we don't. played it. No, yeah, I, we, did, we actually yeah. played it too. So we have talked about it on the bloody podcast. I've done one better. I haven't played. I haven't like read it, but I played it. And Owen calls himself a listener. We did, yeah, and we did talk about it before. You're not a listener, and by the the by the quality of your message here, you're also not a writer. But uh, anyway, yeah, check out Bartington Halls. Bartington Halls, it is very good, but it's got light elements of classism in there. For example, the poor edge has been renamed renamed to pleb 
<laughs> so that's nice, isn't it? That's good. Uh, if you can't tell, Owen is destructively middle class. <laughs> We've got, uh, next one comes in from Griffiana. He says, just going to say there was a Troika magic school supplement called Academ... A- 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 Mm. I was going to say Academies <laughs> Academies of the Arcane which promised advice on how to run games set in schools it really kind of didn't but just had a ton of cool tables to generate your own super weird Hogwarts the above episode which basically suggests to just proceduralise being at a school is a dope addition to that supplement yeah so check that out uh, Ac- Ac- oh, I need to do it again Academies <laughs> of the Arcane for Troika that does sound good to be fair yeah um, so, uh, it sounds fun that you know, random tables to generate your own weird Hogwarts. Yeah, and uh, like Troika has a lot of that type of stuff in it, mm. and I think it's probably worth getting because all of the supplemental Troika books I own are all very good. Uh, for example, Fungi of the Fire Realms, really good, and uh, Pretty Paleozoic Pals, <laughs> which adds dinosaurs to Troika, which for you know why not? Um, and uh, yeah, that that one sounds good. So well done. Um, we've got another one from OM. That's what it looks like, James. That's that's the it's name. It's got an O with a. Is it, what's that? Umlaut. Umlaut. Plus A I M. 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 He says, "You fuck me sideways. That's a bit much, ain't it? You, you show is the audio equivalent of a car crash, but I'm simply unable to look away. I tell you what is." Uh, worse than you show is you grammar mate so fuck you but he is our top listener Uh, he's a top 2% fan and he sent a screenshot that says he's listened for 3,975 minutes I think that's uh, is that maybe what is that what's the platform do we know uh, Podbean, I think. Oh, mate, what a beanie and the bump. So, uh, yeah, sorry about what I just said, and sorry about mispronouncing your name. Thank you very much for listening. If you could uh, explain how you say your explain name, what's... what we'll do is we'll re-record this. <laughs> I'll just re-record I'll re-record it with me, but it'll just be me in the background just going, <laughs> It probably is AM, isn't it? Maybe. AM. Uh, that's it for feedback. Uh, thank you very much for listening for that amount of time, mate. You've got problems. And, uh, <laughs> Owen, uh, shut up. Yeah. Should we do some news? news. Yeah. Oh yeah, news punch. Uh, Hasbro sells D and D to dystopian Chinese mega corporation, or do they? <laughs> so there's been rumours flying about regarding the supposed sale of uh, DMD, with a lot of people claiming that DMD, the game, the lifestyle brand, the religion, is being sold by Hasbro. One such rumour is that Ham- Hasbro was selling the IP to Larian Studios, who made Baldur's Gate. And this isn't actually true, although oh. personally, oh. I would love to see that happen, because Larian Studios have done amazing things with the IP in Baldur's Gate 3, and it should belong to them, but... Sadly, not. it's not actually happening. And Larian actually came out and said they're not buying it. Um, I can't, they couldn't afford it, to be fair. That's a shame. Didn't it Hasbro... <coughs> really good things. Didn't Hasbro make like, large bucks with D&D last year, so... Well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into that, actually. They, they did. They did. They've done very well for themselves, and uh, that is actually the next news. But, uh, yeah, so they're probably not selling it. In any case... Um, the other rumour was that uh, mega corporation Tencent would be buying D&D, which is also untrue, but Tencent do own 30% of Larian Studios, so that might be where the wrong speculations came from. In any case, after months of moronic speculation, 
Hasbro, I just had to check the recording there. Um, Hasbro has come out and said they will not be selling D&D because the property has seen, quote, strong growth in the last year. So they kind of want to hang on to it. But this does lead us quite rightly into our next news, like Sean said. Uh, and the headline is this. Hasbro lays off a 1,000 uh, employees after a strong year of growth. You heard it right. Hasbro has announced that this year it will be sacking a 1,000 employees. They haven't done it yet. But they've announced that they're going to do it. So all those poor people that are, you know, trying to work there, hang on to their jobs. Um, but yeah, the, the stated reason is that they want to save two hundred and fifty million dollars, which you know I can get behind. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but I mean, that's, I mean, why they're going to the, make less content and then they're likely going to go under? It's the people that made it what it is now, isn't it? And yeah. they're getting. Oh, yeah, but you've got to save that money. You see, because they couldn't it's possibly. It's all about the money. They couldn't. It's possibly, not about the gifts. And the good, and, and the good times. It isn't, no. And uh, so you know, I'm right behind this. Take that, a thousand employees. Yeah. How dare you make the most popular version of D and D ever and see record growth? I mean, that is fucking. You're fired. I know. Uh, could we and get in on that two fifty well. mil if we're backing them? I would love a bit. Yeah, because yeah, we, we 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 really shout out advocates here. of Hasbro game. I don't want all two hundred and fifty. Just one. That'd be nice. One would be nice, yeah. Um, maybe they should not make shit plastic shit then, and then they could save 250 that million. Would he- that would help, because the production costs on those really crap transforming D20s, are that's, a, that's high. Yuck. <laughs> um, the CEO of, uh, of Wizards of the Coast, Chris Dix... I mean, no, his name's Chris Cox, sorry. Um, Appropriate, yeah. He did say this. He says, uh, the elimination of these positions will impact many loyal Hasbro employees, and we do not undertake this process lightly. However, the changes are necessary to return our business to a competitive industry-leading position, which it already is, uh, and to provide foundation for future success. Now, it's worth noting that... Isn't it the employees that did that with the foundation? Very much so, very much so. But they want to be industry leaders, right? And they can't just simply carry on as they were being industry leaders, right? They've got to fire a bunch of people. To continue being industry leaders. But you never know. They might actually get asked them to uh, apply for their jobs again at lower salaries. So that's very kind of them. Um, but <laughs> it's worth noting that Chris Dick uh, Cox is on $1.5 million a year plus $9 million in bonuses. And many Wizards of the Coast execs are on 700000 a year plus ridiculous bonuses. So protect, to protect their employees, what they could have done is take a pay cut. And they still would be living a really succulent life. Also, Let- like, lock the supplies cover, man. Those post-it notes, you know. Are, like, I'm going to steal What, are something. they like 75p a pack? You, they, no fucking about there. So yeah, they could have taken a pay cut, but uh, this blood-sucking cunt, Chris Cox, he's, he'd rather dash the people who made him rich out onto the street. Let's just hope, right? Now, just bear in mind that if what I'm about to say is a joke and I don't actually mean it. What if a meteor hit Chris Cox? Would that him. be good? Would you, yeah. Like, just, just, I don't want Vanish. anyone else, yeah, don't want anyone else to get hurt. But I'm just hoping he's in a large field where he's on his own. That he owns. No, and he, or in, and he <coughs> forgot his dog. He didn't, he left his dog at home. No, that, no, no, but that dog, that dog is complicit in the evil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. got to go. Yeah, there are evil dogs. No, sure. we need a meteor to hit him. But you know when it breaks down like in the Earth's atmosphere, yeah. it could be like the size a of a golf bit. ball. Yeah. But as long as it oh, perishes, as like, long as it destroys like Chris bullet, Cox, like a as long as he is past his cell, he is day. completely dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, basically, fuck Wizards of the Coast. And uh, and you know what recently uh, happened was that we started playing Five E again. Sorry, everyone. I'll get into that. But the point is, is that I ordered some players' handbooks for you two, didn't I? Yeah. 
And I would say uh, I'm fairly certain that they might be bootleg ones um, because they're slightly different in terms of production to the ones that me and Tabuskus have. Good. one of our players. But that's what I'm saying. Good. If there's ever been a time to pirate Wizards of the Coast stuff, it's right now because they're sacking their employees. They're not going to benefit from it anymore. Chris Dix is going to take home a nice £9 million bonus, so fuck him. Pirate the books. Pirate everything. Except for our products. Don't pirate our pod- uh, don't pirate our free podcast. No, only pirate D and D. I'd say, to be honest. Yes, like. please do, please, please. <laughs> uh, that is it for news. Uh, which is the coast still cunts? They might win that that award again this year, which is uh, which is good. Oh, wait, what about that Lego? Oh, the Lego. D and D Lego. You sent a picture. Yes, I did. Do, no, here's the thing. I got I got things slightly wrong. D and D and Lego are partnering up. Yeah. Oh, make... Lego, one of the largest. You know. So you know, oh, yeah, good lot of money coming in there. Money sucking. No, in 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 Wizards of the Coast defence, apparently Lego make a lot of money from Lego, right? Oh really? But, <laughs> insane. I know. I know. It's a, it's a very new info. However, like what it is is coast. when they do a licensing deal with somebody, that person actually doesn't make a lot of money off of it. Oh. Um, but yeah, and so they did. And what it was was that I thought they'd released a Lego gelatinous cube, um, and it was literally just one piece. You don't even build it, but it's not. <laughs> it's part of a bigger set. So that I was wrong. That's why I deleted that from the from the history here. That's what it is. Ah. Ah. Oh, so I have some milk. I don't have any, bro. You're a vegan, mate. Should we do some warm even playing? Nah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What you slaying? We've got a lot to catch up on. Or are we just gonna uh, we, sort of do some little we'll, skipping? We'll gloss over some stuff. We, we we finished the Fantasy Star campaign. That was tight. It was a good it was a good laugh. I, I cut it off short for, for reasons I, I will get into in the main subject actually. Mm. Um uh, stopped playing OSE um and also I tell you what, right? Doing that playtest of the product has made me lose all enthusiasm for the product. Uh, so that's nice, isn't it? Is it why? That's how, sh- that's, how sh- uh, that's how it should be, really, because you've been going through it with a fine tooth comb, isn't it? Yeah, and and usually in any creative product you do about about fifty percent of the way through, you're going to hate it right until the point that you get it actually completed. But um, yeah, we finished the Fantasy Star campaign. Uh, it was using the OSE system. I think in retrospect, because it, uh, we were using a custom setting that I had made, I think I did make it too difficult. But it was um, it was too difficult. But we managed to do such amazing things. So the second half of the campaign was broadly speaking about about uh, <coughs> reuniting the pieces of a legendary sword for Sean's character Chaz, so they could take down this dark space energy man called Falls. I think we were like suddenly thrust into some world-ending shit after we wouldn't stop investigating what was going on. Well, and it was started out as a school campaign. Yeah, it's like got dark real quick. It started yeah. out as a school campaign, and that, that just went down the shitter very, very fast because um, there was a spe- they needed to locate a spaceship to go and fight this guy. And for, for what it's worth, fantasy stars are sort of a blend of fantasy and sci-fi, right? The spaceship happened to be the school. That was a cool twist, I thought, that I put in there. And uh, on its first voyage, it got fucked, so there was no more school. So the school part of the campaign just went down the shitter very quickly. <laughs> um, and that probably was only about five episodes in. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So I planned out all these lesson schedules. I put, I made a table of fifty random school encounters, like all of this stuff, and and basically everyone in the school sort of died. 
Yes. Well, no, no, they didn't actually, did they? Because you flew the ship while they were on summer break, so it was just you lot and the janitor that yeah. were in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The head teacher was lurking about as well. Yeah, and uh, scum. He was a scumbag. But yeah, it was it was kind of cool. I, I liked it. I won't de- delve dwell too much on it. I mean, one of the things that I sort of realised about old school D and D is that it is very good. But the trouble is, is that with higher level characters the mechanical difference only really comes around because of magic items that you have mm. so when when it came to the point where some characters died and they played a new one and they had nothing it felt kind of dumb do you know what i mean and i did i do like the system but i think actually i, I tend to now lean towards the old school uh osr games that have done something different you know what i mean like dcc adds in some mechanical complexity with spells and the things that the classes can do and Things like this, and and same goes for Morkborg as well. Like yeah. the the amount of different stuff that you can get when rolling a character, and the mechanical differences between the monsters is a lot more interesting than OSE, where it is very very basic. As is stuff like Lamentations of the Flame Princess, Labyrinth Lord, all of this stuff. And yeah, I think I, I think uh, it's made that sort of running a full campaign of it did make me fall out of love with OSE. Although it's a very nicely presented thing, I don't think it does enough different to warrant the purchase. And that. Might actually be. is reflected in the fact that I've recently put it onto some selling groups on Facebook and nobody bloody wants it so <laughs> see but the thing is uh, in terms of the campaign itself I thought it was it was, it was fucking great <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you liked it it was good I remember very much enjoyed it it's just it. the system man it doesn't excite me like it used to do you know what I mean mm. maybe it's a five gamer then I it guess. is a five gamer that's what I think if you're doing a short campaign and you don't want mechanical complexity it's a good way to go I think uh, but it, it, yeah, it sort of it sort of runs out fairly quickly, I think. Anyway, uh, next up, we we moved on. We've been playing Five E, haven't we? So this has been a lot of fun, and we will get more into depth on this one. Uh, it's called D and D Murder City that we've been playing. Uh, James, do you want to give the synopsis? So uh, essentially, what's happened is um, we were all on a train. Uh, making our way to this city for one reason or another it wasn't explained and then suddenly as we arrive in the station uh, we get portaled into this kind of random plane of existence where there are um, 12 people standing around in a circle unable to move and then there's this um, <clears throat> this trickster god in the center uh, saying that we've got 20 days um, essentially to kill each other um, otherwise, if there's anyone, uh, if there's not one sole surviving member of every of the the twelve people standing there, then everyone's going to die anyway. We can't get arrested. Um, no one uh, can find out the rules about the game because uh, otherwise, uh, people will just die from a random heart attack. Yes. So if the game becomes publicly known, then uh, then yeah, then you get hit with a magical heart attack that will kill you instantly yeah so we kind of just been uh, immediately we were just thrown into it and then it was just like so it was it was kind of chaos because I was trying to kill someone immediately because I thought well fuck it I'm just going to go kill someone and then uh, Sean and Tabuscus our characters just ended up deciding to team up so try and figure it out when you guys were on the train coming in everyone sort of gave their reasons for why they were coming to the city and mm. like you were a, uh, James's character Hackmed he's a uh, dragonborn rogue yes and he was escaping a crime where he'd accidentally killed his partner during the crime uh, Sean's character was looking for his family members uh, he's an outlander yeah I've got one final 
cousin or something. A live family member, and I think it's like my uncle, I think. Yeah, and then we have uh, the other guy who is a monk called Darfur, who's been sent on a uh, sort of a, a missionary type expedition from his. Uh, what do you call it? A monastery. That's what it's mm. called. Um, and he's trying to spread the the good word of his monastery, basically. And, of course, all of the other contestants of this game, basically, it's a guy called Cyric, who's the god of tricks. And he's he's got... They've got to kill each other within 20 days. So I think you mentioned this. Mm. But um, when they wake up on the train, all of, uh, the, the three party members decide to team up until the end, whereupon they'll sort of fight each other to the death, presumably. But there was one other person on the train who was coming here and somebody was supposed to be meeting her at the train station because she's got a disability. And there's this bloke who's uh, called Kral, who's who's invented a wheeled chair for her. <laughs> but of course, when everyone wakes up, she's still sitting on the train because she can't go anywhere. And she, she's like, well, I suppose I'm out of the game. You might as well kill me now. And James' character's like, yes, I will do it. And I was like, okay. And... Um, <laughs> Darfur, the monk, gets in the way. And in the end, they teamed up with her as well. It's this girl called Olivia, who is a herbalist and has been quite helpful. And now, James, is for, he's gone from wanting to kill her instantly and now they're in a relationship together. So. <laughs> it's a really convincing relationship that's unfolded. Oh, it's yeah. very, very yeah. good. It's good. Because they, they, there's been a lot of moments where you can sort of tell that they like each other and in fact she is similarly to James is an assassin as well but she was doing it for royals using poison and things like this so they had a lot in common and then there was a bit where she came to save you while you're in a graveyard and you had a little kiss and then <laughs> she died later on you revived her and then when when she got revived they were in the pub and everyone was going to sleep in the common room and James's character was like no I need to go to a private room please well <laughs> it's funny I was thinking about it for the last few days when you went in when you ran upstairs you were like this is the best day of my life see ya <laughs> <laughs> so good so good yeah, we should play that bit out though no no because we, we literally just sort of pulled the curtain on that scene and we're just like right that's done yeah we, we don't want to like talk about actual events that happened between me and Harrison it's already got a bit weird because I'm playing her and James is obviously his character yeah. and it's got a bit there was a point where where they were sort of exchanging some very sweet words and it was honestly a very nice scene but I was looking down the whole time and then and then you make eye oh, contact with because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was, she said something on the lines of, because um, while she was in the afterlife, time is moving slowly. She was like, I was there for a year, and the only thing I could think about was you. And then I just <laughs> looked up at James, and it was just like, eh, this is too awkward. But um, every day but for a summer, it's very every day for a summer. But yeah, fucking, it was. It's been very good, and there's a sort of. It's set in a city called Waterdeep, and I kind of wanted uh, it to feel quite alive and things like this. And so there has been instances of people being killed off camera because obviously uh, other contestants are part of the game. You killed. There's a boxer called Marco who you, who's a gangster. You tracked him down twice and killed him. He escaped the first time because fucking Darfur the monk used a burning hand scroll in the thickest forest known to man. I mean, we we it's, the funny thing was is that the previous episode, and I think he forgot. Um, Sean was about to do something with fire and then all of us talked him down but out of nowhere JT just goes I am just going to use burning hands and then 
It's just yeah. like, what are you doing? The forest was And he's like, no, trust me, I've got this. And then as he did it, I was like, right, the forest is ablaze. And yeah. he was literally like the shocked Pikachu meme. He was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it's a fucking forest. And not only the way, the way it's I... It's magical flames as well. The way I described it was that... Because um, it was basically a, a part of the city that had been completely run down and then sort of nature had come back. So it was unexplored forest too. It was thick to the point yeah. where you had to cut your way through it. And so he, it was just, it was a nightmare. And uh, that's how one of the contestants managed to escape. But you tracked him down later at a hospital um, where he tried to surprise attack you guys. And I nearly died in the fire as well. So. Yeah, that. Yeah, and he had to come back and save you. He's a fucking idiot. There was a pretty. It, what's been quite good about this is that because there's the twenty day time limit. I know there's the rule: never split the party, right? Oh, mate, we do it almost every episode because you're trying to be efficient with time. So yeah, yeah every episode we've had three way party splits. Where but it's um, it's amazing. I think it's handled really well, and because we're all basically we know we've got a specific task to do we're always conscious of uh, ensuring that we meet up uh, like at the end of whatever our tasks are but it's really nice to go around the table and have all of these completely separate scenes happening at once I like it and because it's a city campaign it sort of is okay to do that because you can during the day more often not move quite safely around mm. on your own yeah someone's got a gamble as well you know I mean. yeah Sean's been, Sean's character Clarence Bullhorn the ranger he's playing a cowboy type ranger and uh, he's been going into the casino a lot. a lot it's been some of the most tense parts of the game as well because we're just literally just playing blackjack but with the uh, with the money in game and uh, there's, there's been a point where you lost all of your money and then the monk sort of came in uh, like after doing his shit around the city saw, saw you and he was like he was like don't worry about this I've got this and he goes into this casino sits down loses all of his money and there's like we gotta go <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah so, so they've been doing their separate research type things and like uh, a good example of this is, is recently uh, where <laughs> So if any player gets arrested uh, during the campaign, so that means you can get caught for any crime, um, then Cyric, the guy who's doing this murder game, he will uh, kill you with a magically induced heart attack. So you, basically, it was I put it in there so that it could be like, if you are going to wantonly murder people, you can't really get caught and do it, right? So that's part of the game. Yeah, so we can't just run around hacking people up. And these guys figured out, and I thought, I, I was waiting for somebody to figure this out, that if you framed somebody for a crime, you could kill them indirectly. Yeah. And so they, they had just killed one of the other contestants who was a, uh, a heretical cleric of a god called Shah, who's called the Dark Lady, right? And, uh, you know, this uh, this girl, they killed her and they took her Bible, which is contraband. It's illegal to have in the city. And what they did is they planted it in the room of one of the other contestants and then uh, told... Spread rumours. Spread rumours. Yeah. And, of course, the police uh, eventually found out and arrested her and she died. And while James... Because James is a, a rogue, so he's very good at sneaking. So him and the monk, they went and... Uh, uh, placed the book in this, uh, like scoped her out, followed her after work, things like this, and placed the book in her hotel room. And that was pretty amazing. But while this was happening, Sean's character Clarence was investigating one of the other people, this woman called Karen, who was supposed to be checking in at a newspaper when she, uh, she's a journalist, and uh, she was supposed to be checking in when she arrived in the city, but she hadn't arrived. Turns yeah. out that some bandits got her and had uh, said in 25 days they're going to kill her. So that means these guys need to track her down because that's too late. If she's it, Basically, there's a rule that if everyone, if there's one sole winner at the end of it, they're the winner. But if there are more than one people alive at the end of the game, everyone will die, basically. 
So yeah, Sean, Sean, you you investigated that. That was pretty good. And what was cool was while these guys were doing the Bible planning, Sean was trying to track down one of the bandits, and the bandits put in their note, "Leave some money under the pier." So Sean, what did you do? Uh, I I I bought a sack of doorknobs for like <laughs> four silver or something, and then placed it placed it there, and then. But you also tried to start a rumour, and he was in the south ward of Waterdeep. Now, Waterdeep is a pretty accepting place, except for that area, because it's like the shittest area, with the exception of a place called Trollskull Alley. It's the shittest area in the whole city. And Sean walks into this racist pub and just says, look, I'm just going gonna to let you all know there's going to be some uh, some money under the pier. And, of course, they're, they're just like, right, wait. Yeah, I was trying to fish out the actual bandits, but then... Yeah. But then, of course, these racists see an outlander come into their pub and they were very rude to you and also just yeah, wanted the money now. They're like, just give us a fucking money. You got in a fight, but yeeted one of them over the bar and was just like, right, I'm going, and left. Yeah, I didn't really have any money. Otherwise, I probably would have given them money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what was funny was is that later on, Sean then goes back to the pier and finds a place to hide. And, of course, he sees all these skinheads turn up and uh, go under the pier and take the doorknobs. And it's just, it's just fucking doorknobs! Like, <laughs> they're having a nice time at the pub and suddenly they But, yeah, um, the um, rumour did get around and a bandit comes down and uh, sees this empty sack. But you pounce on him like a baboon. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, but I had to really... Like, because my character, he's not really very worldly so um, I really had to act hard it was quite tough it was so. one of the best scenes because obviously we, we had a rule when setting up this campaign there was no joke characters right and and Sean originally wanted to play a redneck called what was it called it's called like oh Trail the Wow Trail the Wow Wow and it was going to be a joke character and I said to Sean you can make a character that's cool do you know what I mean it doesn't have to have a funny concept and and that scene where you threatened that guy that was where I was like that's what I mean when I say a cool character because that was pretty badass he pounced and he was punching him he's got tell me and the guy yeah. was like no don't kill me he's like now and rolls intimidation fucks him up and they yeah. got the location I'm not very intimidating character really but or, or in real life. I had to act no, no in, real life, in real life I am the boxing skills mate he got but, floored by a 10 year old um, Look at no, island boys no, get scored like by a ten year old. That's Sean. Was, yeah, Sean. Uh, but I'm not an island boy. Right. You got no. island boy physique. Um I um also I tried to search for um there was that woman who who the reporter woman. Um so I was trying to look for the newspaper outlet where she works and uh, I was looking for directions nobody would give me directions oh so. yeah because he was hitting the streets trying to find where it is she was supposed to supposed to and so he went into the slums and went to see like a slum oracle and he was there for so long because the guy kept on asking for more and more money for yeah. more specific information oh and he gave him so much oh, Sean gave him like cash. a three, three or four gold that's yeah, why he had to go and steal a bag of doorknobs from uh, yeah you didn't buy, buy them did you you stole them you stole them yeah do you remember what it was yeah. so I said roll perception he went to a hardware store and went in the bins out back and I said roll perception he oh, critted and then <laughs> I, I made what I think is a very funny joke and I was like they appear to have thrown all these doorknobs out they must be out of date because you previously I, I, I definitely wouldn't have said they'd have thrown a bunch of doorknobs into the trash out the back but it's like you've got a 20 you're finding them and, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah allow, allow the role to make it happen because it was at night as well I remember him, do you remember Sean's character went up to the fucking hardware store just yeah. on his own in the middle of the night and knocked on the door hello <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean they're not fucking open hey, you want them, please <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, he went to see this oracle, and what was funny is that Sean kept on pressing him and pressing him, and he, 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 uh, the guy was like, I see a newspaper down the street from here. He's, the guy was basically just a guy who had information, but he, he, he packaged it, and he was speaking in this spooky way, and there was a point where Sean was like, can you tell me more? And he was just like, look, come on, mate, there's a queue outside, and he's like, whatever to your voice. <laughs> um, and then he basically, after full gold, was like, oh yeah, it's over there. Yeah, he's like, it's over there, mate, get out. Yeah, you can literally see it from a window. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got to the point now, so where we are at is that um, there are two two contestants, contestants uh, no, other than you three, uh, still alive. Um, or actually, I guess three, if you count Olivia, because you uh, resurrected her, that's the lady yeah. in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's four overall. Yeah, but... Uh, for, uh, but no, no, there's five. five. Sorry. Six. 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 Because there's you three. You, they found the reporter. They saved her from this tomb uh, where the bandits were hiding out. They, they saved her. They've got Olivia, who's the herbalist. Then there's the three of you. Yeah. And there's only one other contestant remaining. So hopefully, the idea is, is they're going to kill this last guy. And then the five of them have this epic showdown where there can only be one winner, basically. We'll figure something out. Yes. Uh, the last guy they've got kind of a personal hatred of. He's this bloke called Osai. And he's a... A cleric of something, but his spells are not spells anyone's ever seen before. One of them is just called hurting, and he'll just think it. You see the word hurting in your brain, and then your insides start to strangle and mangle and things. Uh, pretty cool, but um, they haven't really got any leads on him yet, except for the fact that their cleric order might be on this island south of Waterdeep, so they're going to try and find him. But we have also tried to get the police on his trail. Yes. Uh, there was an incident in town uh, where there was someone being executed for a crime that we committed. <laughs> uh, so he was definitely innocent and he was about to have his head lopped off. So we tried to uh, completely dissolve the situation. Save him. And, yeah, and save him. And I used uh, a new ability that I got in the level up uh, to disguise self. And I disguised myself as this um, guy called Osar. Um, but wearing a 10-gallon hat. Yeah, because... Well, there's, there's a, yeah, but you, you did, you, you, sh- you kind of, yeah, you disguised yourself as him, but wearing it. The reason for the Tenning Helen hat was pretty funny because Sean's instant thing was he, he's like, well, this guy's going down for a crime that we committed. And to be fair, what they did was they killed a policeman and he did deserve it. He really did. He was like an actual, actual monster of a man. But he's on it. But they, they clearly the police have gone. Well, we need a scapegoat for this. We need to teach people a lesson. We haven't found the real guy, so they've picked a guy at random and executed him to say, "Look, if you fuck the police, this is what happens." The odd thing is, is that at a certain point in the casino, Sean had met the chief of police, this guy called Pierre Garon. He's one of the leaders of Waterdeep, so they know each other semi-personally now. And as Sean jumps up onto the stage to try and save uh, this innocent man. The guy looks down from the wall. He's he's quite far away, but he looks down from the city wall and sees Sean. He's like, hang on a minute, you? And Sean's like, a lot of people wear 10-gallon hats in this city. So James, when he disguised himself as Osar to try and frame him, he also put a 10-gallon hat on him as well. Just and to it, really, it really did confuse the situation. It, it did, did help. Um, Osar probably should have sent my baboon up that I got in the level up. Right, well, let's talk... So, so just to end, end the wrap-up here, uh, yeah, we th- these guys have almost finished this Murder City arc. They've got one more guy to kill before the final showdown where they, the party and two friends from the game are going to hopefully show down. Um, and that's that's where we're at. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll get into our thoughts about it in a second. But, Sean, um, when we've got to level three, right? So, Sean's a ranger, and he picked the Beastmaster archetype path, right? And you picked a baboon. 
And literally every single action Sean did for the first three hours of a four-hour game was the baboon doing it. He was so excited. You couldn't wait to kill him, though, I think, to be honest. No, Sean. You got yourself into that situation. Now, baboons only have three hit points, right? Um, And Sean stole it off a circus that was coming into Waterdeep, basically. He loved that baboon. And every single action... But it got really confusing because, you know, in a a game, you might say, I do this, and you're talking about your character. But Sean was saying, I do this when he meant the baboon. Instead of saying, my baboon does this, he would go, right, what I'm going to do. And he was describing actions. And I was like, what, Clarence, like, he was describing very very chimp-like, baboon-like actions. And you were like, right, I'm going to bite the rope. And I was like, why don't you use your sword? And he's like, well, I've got, like, sharp teeth in that, haven't I? And I'm like, use the sword, though. And he's, but it turns out he was talking about the baboon the whole time. Yeah. It was so confusing. That man. happened more than once as well. We, and Sean actually acted out something. And that, we thought his character was doing it. Yeah, his, yeah his, he was his doing main... a, He was doing a weird jump. <laughs> and we were like, why is Clarence doing that? And he was just like... It, it turns out it was the, we, about five times during the game we had to be like, Sean, just say my baboon, please. <laughs> and there was a couple of moments like where we got to a point before he arrived and went, all right, just to be clear here, is this Clarence or the baboon? And he was like, "Here's a baboon." He's like, well, "Why didn't you say so?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, so annoying. Um, I just thought by the baboon-like nature of my actions. But there was, there was every single, even when it got to. So just for sake of ease, you you have the same initiative as the baboon. And even when it got to your turn, every single time it'll be the baboon acting first. Like, oh, not yeah, this character that you spent yeah, weeks no. fucking carefully uh, uh, creating but the baboon this new baboon that you loved anyway the baboon fucking died look it's a bit of a weird story but there's this uh, there's this tower that's been walled off by the police in the middle of the city and there's a very very high level wizard doing illegal experiments in there and the reason he's been walled in is because of uh, because some of the experiments are very dangerous uh, these guys had to do a heist to break in there to try and get some scrolls of revivify because Sean had previously met this wizard is called Blackstaff. They they met he met his ghost in a graveyard. He said, "I've died. I'll give you a reward if you go back to mine and get these scrolls and revive me." So Sean goes back. Uh, well, they all go back to do it. But Sean saw that he was doing experiments on children, innocent people, poor people, things like this, and he wanted to fuck him up. So he hung around for a bit too long trying to think of something to do, and the guy killed your baboon and said, "Fuck off." He, did, he used yeah. power word kill, and yeah. the, in the description it just says, "If a creature is under hundred hit points, it dies." And of course, your baboon had three. So it exploded. Just, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't get a save if you're under 100 hit points. No, it's like, all right, I'm leaving, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so you're going to try and find the new animal next session? Yeah. Um, what are you aiming for, do you think? Well, I was like, I think Flying Snake would be good, or Giant Weasel. Would, giant Weasel would be sick. Um, but I'm going to do a D6, because it's very hard to pick out of all the animals. When um, I was listing, I just read the list of animals you could possibly have. You have to find one, obviously. That's a hard thing, because I think your first protocol sense, was yeah. a ter- pterodactyl, but there are very few of those around Waterdeep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, what was it? You, you. Uh, I was going down the list, and it was like Python, Flying Snake, Bat, and Sean was going, oh, 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 oh. Like, like he wanted every single one. <laughs> Slug, no. Um, but yeah, so uh, what do you guys think of it, James? Is, has it been fun so far? Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, we're quite fortunate with the group that we've got, that we've played together for so long that we've got really good chemistry, uh, especially as this kind of trio as well. And um, I think that the campaign itself is... Well, it, was... it, it is a good... Uh, it feels like something that 
uh, all of the existing other things, you know, like, oh, I must kill each other, otherwise you're going to, by a certain time limit, otherwise you're going to die. But it's fun exploring it in such a, uh, like a hazardous environment. Yeah, because Waterdeep is full of, it's full of crime, bad people, even the police are corrupt, like, and then um, you guys have been exploring and things like this, but also, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've enjoyed it. I, I want, what I wanted to do is get away from world-ending plots for a change, you just make it about the characters. Well, I like the fact that there's um, so many sort of little snippets of other characters, for instance, one of the, the character that we planted the Bible on uh, to get killed by being arrested. Um, she had her own complete own story and she was working in um, a shop and that shop owner had his own story so it was like there's so many different levels of it already that you can get invested into other NPCs happenings yeah because I, I didn't bring that up solely because I th- that the, that character's name was Abella and she was a uh, mechanic that, that had come to the city to make cannons for the navy basically and um but I didn't get into it because that was a whole sort of sub arc within the thing where mm. uh, you guys had made a bad impression. She came with you because she heard about one of the other contestants murdering a child. Then one of the other child contestants, you murdered her <laughs> while she was trying to destroy you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Abella left and then you guys, Sean's bow broke and he tried to get her to fix it. Despite the fact she was like, I said no child killing and you've just killed a child. Mm. And, he, and uh, this massive, like crazy fight ensued where there was a fishmonger's stall that got involved and uh, he was really angry and it was causing distractions the blacksmith poured grease on the floor and Sean was slipping around in it while trying to steal a bow and like it was it, <laughs> yeah, it was it's... like this crazy fucking Jackie Chan style fight with all this shit going on it was it was a hell of fun yeah but that's great but Sean do you like it is it nice uh, I do like it. It's very good, very very D and D, very enjoyable. Um, plus, I I sort of like the fact that we're sort of doing like Fear and Hunger too, really. Um, but we get to do it sort our, of our own way. I sort of based it a little bit on a video game called Fear and Hunger Two, which is broadly speaking a similar concept. It's but it's. Uh, yeah, it's a trickster god who's made these people uh, have to kill each other in the city, in, but they have three days to do it, which is not a lot of time. And the city is like a post-war Germany, kind of, although it's a fictional place. Uh, so it's much more fucked up. Waterdeep is just a normal city, but yeah, it's it kind of kind of based on that. And also all of the characters are from that game, just because the artwork is very cool. And I printed out the artwork and put each person's name on it so they can keep a track of who's dead and who's alive so we i always have it on the front of my dm screen and we we've been crossing off the faces of the other contestants as yeah. they die so yeah it's been it's been good fun and i, I tell you what it's, it's a good it's been good getting into a game where uh it's about characters and not some world ending thing and also city-based thing which we haven't done for fucking ages which i, I don't know I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it but it's also your guys' characters that are making it quite as good as it is. I mean, they're, they're just fucking great. Um, especially, I, I was trying to find a Dragonborn Rogue Mini, and I, I literally could not find one. I think it's an archetype that doesn't get played very often. Uh, it's cool. It's great, because really you can cool. spit acid in people's faces. Yeah, yeah, I, cho- I chose the path of the green dragon, so I'm green and I can yeah, spit... Um Spit poison. Is it poison? No, acid. I spit acid. acid so. Yeah, and and it's it's in a, a cone template, so it's fucking great. Well powerful. <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. We'll t- we'll stop talking about D and D five E Murder City. I uh, just wanted to speak quickly about the uh, st- stuff that we've bought recently. I bought. Uh, been on obviously been enjoying five E recently, so I've got the uh, Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse box set. 
Mate, Sean, Sean's sexy. loving this. Look at him. <laughs> he can't wait to I, see it. I forgot you bought this, to be honest. Well, look, there was a point in our game where I thought you were all going to die, and I thought about running this. Oh, mate. Um, yeah, it comes with its own GM screen, right? Which oh. has got, um, it's got like the, all of the gate towns and all of this stuff. So, Planescape is for one of a, you can pass that stuff over, but it's uh, for one of a better word about the afterlife and where the gods live in D and D. Basically, it's a very very cool setting, and it's been a while since we've had anything new published for it. But what it comes with, uh, so we've got uh, an adventure there that James is holding. It's called Morte's Planar Parade. I think that's the one, yeah. um, and. No, no. Turn of Fortune's Wheel is the adventure. Playing a parade is is got uh, is got creatures in it, and then you've got a gazetteer called Sigil and the Outlands, which is all about the actual setting. Now, what's cool about the um, the adventure, and what I, what I want to do is eventually actually run it. Um, Sean, uh, we'll pass you some of these books in a minute. Sean really wants to look at them, um, and you can give your thoughts on how they look. But the adventure appears to be inspired by Planescape Torment the Game, and it has you guys wake up in the mortuary on, si- on sigil without any of your memories. So the idea is, and what's fucking great about this, is you, you start in the mortuary on a slab, dead without any memories, and you wake up, right? That's quite good. And oh, I like the fact that you start with no memories. So, so you don't really make a backstory, but you choose how to play your character from the get-go, and as the adventure goes on, you unlock memories. And what's cool about, the, about this is you can make it so that your character unlocks memories that are uncomfortable. So you might, for example... Um, Sean's just pointing to a picture of a bear in the in the book. Um, you might make a character who is a really nice person when they when they wake up, but they discover that they were a terrible person in their real life. That they maybe committed a genocide or treated people badly or whatever. So you're kind of making this uh, like almost two characters. You are who you are when you wake up, but also your past may be completely different to how you act now because you've got amnesia. It's fucking great. So you got all the different uh, planar influences. Planar, um, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great, and so um, that's on the on the GM screen as well. Where if because there's there's a plane, well, it's not not a plane, but like an area in Planescape. Yeah, I guess they are planes, but they dedicated to each alignment each god things like this and as one alignment sort of starts to one alignment's area starts to veer towards another those two areas will become closer to each other and so there might be appear more gates where you can get to other places there's a shame though that yeah. it, it, you can't, map. the ooze is an playable character but that is a real shame that is but yeah it's a it's a beautiful box set and uh, it was on the sale it's amazing sorry it's beautiful isn't it and it's it's like the treatment that, that Planescape has deserved for a long while wow so James that is a map of Sigil that you're holding there Sigil is at the top of an infinite spire it's this ring city that, that basically is the central hub for all of Planescape it's shaped like a ring and there's the outside and the inside which is why uh, why the map is like that and they've, uh, they've 3D'd the map yeah it's fucking cool man mm-hmm. um, there's even a part in the book where it explains how to use the map as well yeah exactly uh, do you know what like like I've had trouble in the past running a Planescape game because it is such a complicated yeah Sean look at this 
This is the Outlands map as well. It's, it's fucking beautiful. Sheesh. Oh, whoa. But um, the uh, yeah, I've had trouble in the past reading it because it's such a complex setting. But I oh. think Planescape oh, Torment beautiful. onboards characters uh, in a way that where they can learn about the setting as they play. And the way that the adventure's done, where you regain your memories as you go, is a much much better uh, introduction into the actual into the actual setting. And I think that this this could be the most playable version of Planescape yet. I hope so. Anyway. Anyway. But obviously, I'll, uh, I'll, it looks amazing, definitely. It's a lot of, uh, lot of Hasbro sort of plugs. Oh yeah, yeah. Got a lot yeah, of advertising in there. But it is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it is. The layout they they have invested a lot of it's time and effort into it. I best, think. Yeah. It's 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 given the treatment it deserves, man. It's well, it's probably my favourite setting that I've barely played. So, yeah, really fucking nice. Now, I was going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 as well, because I've since completed it since the last one. Baldur's. Baldur's Gate. Um, I, I won't go too on about it, because everyone's already heard everything there is to hear, but it is fucking incredible. It's it's a, a masterpiece and one of the greatest games I've ever played. And actually, it was that that wanted made me want to run 5e, because the previous Baldur's Gate games were run on the D&D 2.5 engine, and Baldur's Gate uses 5e. And I know 5e can be overly complicated, and the characters have a million abilities, but what it did teach me is that if the characters, if the players know what their characters can do, and they're each up to date with auditing their characters, the game can run very smoothly, which is why I yep. got you both a player's handbook, and why I said... I just said at the beginning of the game if you don't remember you've got an ability and you don't use it that's up to you end of story I'll keep the game running smoothly but it also taught me that I was like when I was playing Baldur's Gate 3 I was like the system is fucking good and I need to play more of it the thing was that I found um, having not played any of them uh, is is the fact that you said what Baldur's Gate 3 did uh, in terms of some D&D mechanics is they ironed out some of the flaws yeah they definitely did I mean there's 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 a lot in there which is very mildly different um but but in in good ways basically and of course there's some things they had to change because the it's a video game and it doesn't work quite the same um but yeah it is absolutely it's worth a play and it is brilliant and what it shows is that the D law is good in the right hands where uh, Wizards of the Coast have sanitised it and sanitised it more. Baldur's Gate 3 has got very adult themes and adult things that happen. I mean, the whole plot of it is basically that it's about mind flayers. You wake up on a mind flayer sort of planar spaceship and this massive slug leech thing goes into your eye and latches onto your brain and you're slowly becoming part mind flayer. So you oh. have to spend the whole game trying to find a cure for it and it is and it gets the ridiculous degrees of like uh, of, of epic basically but that's um, what happens when you let 10 cent give you shit loads of cash what are you gonna say sean no i was gonna say uh i have wish listed it but like because they're so popular i guess they haven't really needed to put it on a special yet at all i think i don't think it will be for a long time i think when the dlc comes out you'll be able to buy it as a special with the dlc i think that's what will happen uh, yeah, but, that um, sense. yeah i mean no. it's, it's spectacular i did see recently though uh on gdq the speedrunning event somebody's uh speedrunning Baldur's gate 3 and they did it in like four hours something like this what? it took me 86 hours and you don't actually know this is one that i remember you saying that because so typically i know that your play style is just 
play it and get to the end, and then if you feel it deserves it, you'll play it again and do some extra bits. Yeah. Whereas uh, Baldur's, Baldur's Gate 3, you um, actually got wrapped up in all of the oh, I did, I did other so bits that's going on, but like, even just like, naturally. I, even like on Reddit, I've seen people saying 86 hours, that's a casual playthrough. Like, I did all the side quests that so came up. So it's still casual then? Yeah, yeah. And But, like, people are like, I've got 300 hours, I did everything. And it's like, I thought I did fucking... I did everything that came up in my path, and it still took me that long, but yeah. Yeah, good game. But anyway, the speed run, what people do is they pick a druid, transform into a bear, and jump on things. That's it. Like, that's the main strat. And they were like... That must be such a horrible time to play. But there were... Yeah, well, that's speed running for you, isn't it? But um, I, I, one of the hardest bosses in the game... Actually, this is a little bit of a brag, but I did manage to kill him without ever taking damage or getting caught, which was fucking amazing. But this person, it was another really hard boss in the game. This person transforms into a bear, jumps on them and one-shots them. And I was like, this took me like a week to finish. And it, was <laughs> like, it makes me feel like shit seeing that stuff. But yeah, it's very good. And I think that it might reignite the joy of 5e for some people as well. But yeah, that's well, it. definitely did for you. Are you... 100%. Are you, are you um... Are you still playing Disco Elysium? I am. I yeah, very much love that. If uh, yeah, I'd say any RPG player needs to play Disco Elysium. It's fucking amazing. I mean, it's 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 a role playing game, a, a computer role playing game that doesn't have any combat in it, but there are still role playing elements. But I was just telling Sean the other day, there's this bit where you have to call your you're a policeman and you have to call your station and let them know that you've lost your badge. And everyone in the background is fucking laughing at your guy. And it's one of the funniest things because you pick what you say. And I picked um, some guys like, did he t- t- ask him if he loses his gun as well? And um, my character's like, tell him I fucked his mother. He's talking to this di- really bored <laughs> dispatcher. And the dispatcher's like, he says he sodomized your mother. <laughs> it's so fucking good man what a game um, alright anyway we must get on to the main subject we've been talking for ages main subject magic main subject Tokyo main subject Sean's going for a piss he's a cunt mate we're fucking always taking too long he always we know we've been we've actually been sitting here for at least five minutes Fifteen. yeah yeah it's like it's just taking the piss he's, literally he's a fucking cunt <laughs> He's a fucking piece of shit. And Imagine if you forgot to, honest, to edit this out. To be honest, we've been trying to push him out of the podcast for a while, and he, yeah. he just won't fucking leave. We didn't even invite him today. I don't know how he was how he thought we were doing this. And he's been pissing for twenty three yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's fucking pissing me off. Hey, Sean. Sean, how's it going, my guy? What the hell? What's up, man? <laughs> Sean, you can leave all that. Yes. Oh yeah, nice. Right. Sean, how's it going? How's it going, going man? Got, what? Taking a leak. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, yeah, main subject. Today we're going to be talking about Savage Pathfinder, which is actually called Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. But Yummy! I'm not calling it that. A bizarre, unexpected mix between our favourite system, Savage Worlds, and Pathfinder, our former go-to game. And we're going to talk about how the things that Savage Pathfinder is doing basically sort of ruined RPGs for me. <laughs> but I've called, I've, called, I've called the episode it ruined RPGs for us because it sounds more dramatic. Yeah. But you'll find, we'll find out. Um, well, but you're our main GM, so technically, yes. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Sean, Sean doesn't like that. <laughs> We've been sharing the GM responsibility more and more, but over time, if you, if you, if you, I've done more games. If you take the, the eight years, I've done more which games. it will be this year... Then, then yeah, I've done nine more. years, right? No, it'd be eight, mate. But we start at the ninth. Yeah, I'll explain in the course of this main subject why it ruined RPGs for me. But functionally, we're going to be given a brief overview of Savage Pathfinder and uh, how it came to be before looking at the actual product. And then I'm going to explain why the words and pictures written inside the book have permanently damaged my relationship with role-playing games. <laughs> 
Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah. Now, before we begin, uh, CJ, a very generous listener, sent us the Savage Pathfinder books. Uh, you got a whole suite of them that were out at that time, didn't he? He sent those to you, didn't he, Sean? He, he, he said, did. you're going to love this. Have this. I you wanted it. to run a fantasy campaign, so he sent it. Very, very kind of him. Um, and this was this was bloody ages ago, right? About two year. years. Two years. Right. Ago. And he said that he couldn't wait to hear what you were going to say about it, your experience of it. And it's been a review in the works for all oh, this time. Mate, I keep. Mate, you told the him. Have been turning, you shut man. up. You told him on the Discord that yeah, you actually were, you type in as well that you were going to review this bloody product. Where's the review, Sean? It's been two years. I, I, I did. I originally did write a review, and then and then I, then I lost in my, my life. I lost to the Google Doc sort of ate it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So you were at least supposed to give your thoughts on it, right? Um, and if oh, not, produce mate. a full episode. Um, and but what actually happened was, if you recall, there was a point where CJ sent in a, a me- message, and he was like, you know, are you enjoying Savage Pathfinder? But that was the time when you. Um, took antibiotics and drank while you were on the podcast you got really ill and I said what do you think of uh, what CJ sent you and you said it's really good Uh, I'm going to be sick do you remember that? (laughs) that is insane this guy has gone to great expense to send us stuff that's what you did don't put that he got absolutely fucked no don't pay me in that light because I'll just play the fucking clip if you want that's what happened don't play the clip like but that's what happened right but like I was look I've, I've loved it and you're gonna find out throughout yeah, this my thoughts because you can be bothered <laughs> so i've had to write this review no but i did write a review you but... destroyed my copy no but i did but, <laughs> but... <laughs> so, look man look, let's not let's... you destroyed my copy <laughs> let's not get into it was I Sean's just... birthday. Somebody handed him a sparkler. He went, yay, and dropped it, made a weird noise, and he burnt my carpet. Look, I can see it right now. I can see the burn. Yeah, but that's besides the point, isn't it? Like, it I, is, but I was this sick. is sort of why I'm... You've, you, you burnt no, my you carpet. No, you've got So, Savage Pathfinder. First, let's talk about Savage Worlds. It's become our favourite system for many reasons. And if you want to know how, like, and have a more in-depth review of how it works, listen to our episode on Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. But broadly speaking, Savage Worlds is usually about action-heavy games with cinematic influences. It uses a dice chain mechanic for character stats, with larger dice being rolled for skills and attributes that the character is strong in. It uses a simple resolution mechanic for just about everything in the game. Beat a 4 and you succeed. Now the GM can add modifiers to dice rolls, but more or less you're always trying to beat a 4. Raises occur when you beat the target number by a further 4 points, and these can theoretically be infinite for most things. Part of this is due to aces or exploding dice, where any roll that hits the highest number on a dice gets rolled again, then added together. This can result in some very quick deaths on damage or attack rolls, or cool as fuck successes on other rolls. Now that in and of itself is very fun, but over my years of playing I've been trying to understand what makes Savage Worlds so great. And of course, the simple resolution mechanic and the myriad ways the system builds off of that are fucking amazing. But, better than any game I've ever experienced, character growth is perhaps the single most important and impactful thing that Savage Worlds does. You see, in this game, you advance in ranks, which grant access to new abilities, but to increase rank, you have to gain advancements towards the next rank. And with each advancement, you can pick a number of things, a stat increase, an ability increase, or an edge. 
so edging like a mad cunt basically um, <laughs> um, while mostly all using that central mechanic are um, edges while mostly all using that central mechanic are very significant ways to alter the way your character plays for example an arcane background allowing you to use powers or a combat edge like first strike allowing you to make a free attack on anyone who enters melee with you or frenzy which works a little bit like barbarian's rage and these choices you make as characters level up mean that there's a million ways to build an interesting character and you aren't confined to simple archetypes. And perhaps more importantly, these changes make you make to your character are mostly mechanically meaningful. Now, I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but at its very core, that's what makes Savage Worlds very fun. It's quick, deadly, mechanically interesting without said mechanics weighing down the game. Would you agree with that? I think that was put perfectly, to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. Good, good. Sean? Yeah, I c- you basically I agree with everything I've just said. I couldn't put it, I couldn't I couldn't put it better myself to be cut. honest. And if I did try and put it better, I'd probably make it worse. No, so. do try and put it better right now. Yeah, go on. No, because I wanted to add some specific stuff about Pathfinder, but it's not, it wasn't that. I think wasn't you, what we were, well, we talking no, about. That, we're talking yeah, about we're getting, there, we're the getting there. The caboose is running. You know? Yeah, that's right. Pathfinder, on the other hand, could really be thought of as the mechanical antithesis to Savage Worlds. It's a game that I have very fond memories of, but one that we've moved away from over the years because it suffers from a lot of what I call rules flab. Yeah. What, Savage Worlds? No. I find it fucking lesson. Oh, okay. See, I right. told you he doesn't have ears. That mate. I uh, burned my foot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, part, we're talking about Pathfinder now, Sean. Because but Savage Pathfinder. I don't know if you know this, right? I did say this early on, but, it's but Savage it's, Worlds and Pathfinder. Exactly. Oof. What a combo. <laughs> what a combo. Um, combo. But yeah, I like to, to give you the rundown of Pathfinder. It came out during the D&D 4E period. And when 4E changed to uh, too much and alienated its core audience, Pathfinder came out and it was just a minor upgrade to 3.5 with some rules clarifications slash expansions and canonizing certain rules from supplementary 3.5 books. But what Pathfinder did in its day was give D&D fans more of what they wanted rather than trying to reinvent D&D in the way that 4E did. And this meant that Paizo, the game's publisher, enjoyed huge success with their first edition. Now, however, Pathfinder isn't what it once used to be because when 5e came out, all the spurned 4e haters just went back to D&D because 5e was good again. So Pathfinder 2e, right, simply didn't sell very good, forcing Paizo to reduce its staff and settle into a mid-tier level publishing company. And uh, this same territory that they're in, it should be said, is inhabited by Pinnacle, the publishing group behind Savage Worlds. Now, considering this, in January 2021, when Pathfinder for Savage Worlds was announced, I originally found it quite amusing that Paizo, who had once been king shit of fuck mountain, were now slumming it with Shane Hensley and all his little goblins over at Pinnacle. Slumming it? Savage Worlds is... No, it's big. It's big na- bigger now than it's ever been. Yeah, yeah. But you have to remember... At the when, time. At the time, seeing Pathfinder, who were the biggest guys... Was that before Swade as well? The, uh, no, uh, this was... So Savage Pathfinder is a Swade thing. Ah. So it was just as, uh, you know, Pinnacle and that were getting bigger, but they were still mid-tier. And in Pathfinder, that would at the time when you know when they were big, they they were basically D and D at the time. Do you know what I mean? They were that fucking big, and well, then they're they, having they, to slum it with Pinnacle. Do you know what I mean? Well, I I recall every convention that we went to, Paizo 
were the ones taking up the most room. Yeah, their Pathfinder Adventure League, like the amount of products on there. The fact that basically, if you wanted to publish a setting for Pathfinder, it was like guaranteed a little bit of cash. You know, what I mean, like how five years now. Do you know, there were like mean? eight different games of Pathfinder. So going you can on. you can see how it's a bit funny when they they sort of partnered up with Pinnacle, whose main thing at the time was like, you know, this famous property. Here's the other thing that guy did. Like Solomon, they didn't do Conan, but they did Solomon Kane. Um, they didn't do well, they didn't do Star Wars but Flash Gordon we got that um, and it was all for, and, and The Goon do you know what I mean like Pinnacle Paizo were once the biggest guys and then they were they were partnering with the guys who made The Goon do you know what I mean that yeah, is funny because Savage Worlds t- don't typically have their own stalls at conventions no they do not um, and also my initial thought I have to say when I heard about Savage Pathfinder was that it was pointless because I've played many fantasy games in Savage Worlds and while it caters for more gritty less heroic level fantasy than Pathfinder's brand it can do high fantasy and very well um, with more character depth and customization than Pathfinder has ever had and does it without taking a half an hour to take every fucking turn they've, they, um, to be honest with Savage Worlds as well they've never really found their footing into like high like really good high fantasy even with like the fantasy companion that they well yeah. the original it fantasy should be companion. noted that they had shine tar which was supposed to be their high level thing but it, it was it suffered from a lot of problems the least of which being that uh from i think it was what it was novice to veteran was one book and then the rest of it was a different book uh, although Shine Tart also was a third party published product and it was written by Sean Patrick Fannin famous paedophile yeah so don't buy that at all so you know that's a problem isn't it because yeah. if you run Shine Tart at a convention you're expressly sort of saying I don't really oh, mind you know he's done his time yeah. bear in mind though when Shine Tart did first come out at the time uh, uh, Sean Patrick Fannin was just kind of seen as just a nice bloke that had an ice cream van that would hang out around, <laughs> hang out around schools you know um I don't think he was a paedophile. He was a rapist, but I don't know about people. He probably is. He was a, a sexual predator. Yeah, that's right. And not like a cool one, like no. Michael Jackson, but like a rubbish one, like yeah. him. Oh, right. Uh, right, how'd you get... Uh, okay. But Michael, ja- he, Michael Jackson's a genius. Yeah, he is. Let him I have mean, a couple. Was. Yeah. I mean, is, maybe, because he's coming back, isn't he? I was find it, and this is just me regurgitating someone else's joke here, but um, Dave Chappelle, when he said he's talking about Michael Jackson, he said, uh, "He said, look, I'm not a paedophile, but Macaulay Culkin. You know what I mean?" <laughs> um, um, now, yeah, um, sorry, um, can we, like, do, do any of you, do either of you believe about Michael Jackson? This isn't back? the part of the podcast, mate. Michael Jackson being what? He's coming back, isn't he? What are you talking about? Ja- um, apparently, Jacko's been alive this whole time and he's coming back, and it's Jack- Jack- conspiracy just- theory with Sean. Right, we'll get back to the thing, but Sean, that's, that's your conspiracy corner over. That's the worst one yet. Okay. Um, but, but one time, Sean showed. Sean, I was in a different room in our flat. Sean came running in and he went, Harrison, they found a video of Tupac. He's still alive. Oh, oh. Right, and it's this it's this guy, and he's 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 like um, sort of round the corner in like an alleyway, and he goes, guys, guys, you got to come here. I've seen this. Suddenly, like a static effect. Then it cuts to some footage of Tupac from the nineties, which was clearly a different quality. <laughs> Sean is fucking dying here of embarrassment. By the way, <laughs> um, and Sean was like, they found. I'm sure. I was like, Sean, you could see where the jump. They didn't even try to hide the jumper cut. Fuck, man, <laughs> that was a bad one. 
Um, now, <laughs> listeners will know, right, that I couldn't have been more wrong about my uh, perceived notion that, that Pathfinder was pointless. But Savage Pathfinder is an absolute hungry man's dinner of a game, and it somehow manages to be everything great about Pathfinder-type fantasy and Savage Worlds at the same time. Now, it's not perfect, right, But and some of the reader mail we'll get into later, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But let's get into the book, and I'll talk about how it manages to succeed, and of course some things it could have done better, and then I'll tell you how it broke my literal soul. <laughs> First off the bat, of course, we're going to say the art is very nice, right? There's there's no... Uh, how do I stop that from... No, oh, there we go. Right, uh, the art is very nice, and it always has been for Pathfinder, if a tiny bit soulless, but looks-wise, it's a very nice product, and Savage Worlds has had a mixed success in the past with the quality of their products, but Paizo never have and it's it's just nice to see the paizo level of polish applied here additionally another thing i noticed right away most savage world settings require the gm to have the core savage worlds book and the setting book but this one's both so uh, it includes all the rules too which is pretty nice that's that's unheard of that's one of the best things about it it's something they used to do where they like solomon kane was released with the entire set system in it as well and flash gordon was another one as well but they don't typically they don't do that um but uh, and I won't go too too in depth on the rules because I don't want to bore the listeners. But uh, Savage Pathfinder does make a few changes. So the characters in Savage Worlds games are usually classless, They're proper cunts. No, um, <laughs> and that is part of the fun. But Savage Pathfinder introduces new class edges to kind of emulate the party role dynamic that is seen in classic fantasy games. So you got like you you got like uh, not only like ancestry slash race edges but you've got like class edges as well so when you level up from novice to seasoned you you'll get you'll get like a new class edge or uh, and and a race edge well yeah and, um, and it's let right. alone the edges sorry man um let alone yeah. the edges you get from like joining orders and shit where you can get like new magic and all this something oh it's crazy man it's like, good yeah. and all of the edges you get from your class are free and basically, you gain these as extras in addition to your normal levelling up. So that's a big part of it. And it kind so of builds out such a like a big character. So the levelling up in Savage Pathfinder makes it feel like Pathfinder because of all of the uh, you know the amount of sort of stats that you have to troll like get through. But it you, just you gives like, you a really large ability to do extra really cool shit. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty fucking great. And and. Uh, these are, it, as I said, additions that you get in, in addition to your normal leveling up. So you have these much more mechanically dense characters. And to give an example, uh, let's examine the, the Pathfinder, Savage Pathfinder version of a bard. So to be one, you need to have a spirit of D6 and at least D4 in performance, right? So you need to spend your points of character creation to do that. And they start with the bard arcane background edge for free, giving them access to three bard powers and ten power points with which to use those powers. But they also start with an armor interference, which as far as I know isn't a thing in Savage Worlds games. You you can wear a big fuck-off suit of armor usually in Savage Worlds and still cast spells. But here bards are restricted to light armor. Additionally, bards can use their sharp-tongued edge to initiate performance-based taunt at any time they want during combat, and they can do it without restrictions. Usually in Savage Worlds, repeated taunts become less effective, but not for bards. So you can make you can distract an enemy or make them vulnerable, or if your dice explode enough, even shake them, making them easier to damage. And they may lose a turn as well. So this is the thing that bards start with, and they can do it theoretically every turn. That's their new brand new class edge just for bards that they get. And it, it fundamentally changes 
how uh, well how the, how taunts work, but also you've got a role if you're a non-combat bard, you've got something where you can really help the party. Well, I feel you like just it's... sling for, you're singing mad songs about people. I think it also plays to the strength of what the essence of the bard is, and that's what they've done for for all of the um, different archetypes. Absolutely, and they've kept it within that that Savage Worlds system to where it's easy to know what it is. Instead of yeah. going, here's this new mechanic, it's just like, no, you can do unlimited taunt rolls, simple yeah, as that. you could do that uh, over and over again, and it just makes complete sense. It's a very fun way of doing a bard, and it's edges like these that can make a pacifist or non-combat-focused characters really fucking useful. Um, and I did that a little bit with one of my characters, T-Bearer, who was a torchbearer. He was mostly non-combat, and he did like loads of other little things, like tricks and things like this. Um, yeah, hella fun, very, very good. And um, uh, But starting with a free arcane background and the sharp tongue shit in addition to your usual shit is incredibly powerful for a Savage Worlds character. So in building up the classes in this way, you're already starting off a novice character at a much more capable level with a lot more mechanical usefulness than a Savage Worlds novice character, like a usual one. Uh, novice is the starter rank in Savage Worlds, by the way. Just to give another quicker example, let's say we're making a monk, right? Because this is what I played when we played this game. I'll start with Stunning Fist, right? So that I just get that for free. And I can make an enemy distracted or vulnerable if I hit them with a raise on an unarmed strike. Now I can just do that as many times. And if you're, you're typically going to be using unarmed strike, so that is fucking awesome. And I have an upgraded unarmed attack from the get-go, so I can even upgrade that further by adding martial artists, brawler, things like this. But um, you start with an upgraded one to begin with. And let's say, in addition, right, I play a human. So I get two two edges to begin with. So I could also take first strike and sweep also. So not only can I get an attack on every adjacent fire at minus two, but if I get a raise, I can distract them or make them vulnerable. And once around, when someone steps near me, I get a free attack. And I'm doing strength plus d4 with each attack too. So like already, starting off, instead of being like, yeah. what does your character do? Oh, I've got a lamb. It's like this guy's got four very mechanical mechanically deep edges that he can use it allows you to uh combat the pathfinder crunch um Still with right. the uh savage world's smoothness yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So it's, got, it's got the perfect amount of crunch i'd say yeah, yeah. And it's not too bad because higher level savage world's characters do do a lot of shit but this is like you just start it's four edges and your character's got all these cool little mechanical things but they all apply to rules already in the game do you know what i mean um, now, this is a wild amount of cool shit for a starting Savage Worlds character, and that's just one build example, right? And then you've got like um, you've got like the customization of Savage Worlds. So if you wanted to be if you wanted to be a monk, but then you decide maybe you want like another arcane background, you could just well, arcane backgrounds have to be done at the start, but you could, in theory, earn one via gameplay. Yeah. But you could also, if you decide that you like all the monk <laughs> shit, like the unarmed attack, you get your free unarmed attack and things like this, but what you wanted to do was wield a massive sword and take trademark weapon between novice and seasoned. You could do that. And you but like loads of things like that are uh, present within the game to where you still want that customization in between the levels, but it's just here's how your character fits into this class at the big milestones. That's it. But other than that, you build them however the fuck you want. I mean, obviously you can't use certain types of armor with certain characters, but it doesn't restrict you too much because I could still go, I'm going to play a wizard, but instead of upgrading my spell casting between levels, I'll stick with what I've got because I like it, but I'm going to add toughness. I'm going to add improved toughness. Sweet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you, you, you're, you're a fucking, you're an absolute monster of a wizard who punches people and does a bit of magic. I think the only thing with uh, 
those types of wizards is the 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 one rule i think apart from light armor is that you have to have some sort of staff as well you have to have a magic artifact it doesn't need you don't necessarily need to be holding it it just needs to be on your person oh okay so you're fine you really could do you could make a martial art wizard if you wanted in this game you could just have it in a sheath on your back exactly and and then you pick you pick martial artist first strike counter-attack that's a fucking cool wizard right this is why i think we got an email about this later but this is why i think it doesn't it the the savage pathfinder isn't too deeply mired in the fucking um in the classes it's it, you've still got that customization that you can add in if if you so wanted to or you can just stick and uh, stick with what you're good at but you can it sort of also solves the problem of multi-classing quite but, handily i feel They've got a um, also a recommended tree that you could take as well if you wanted to just do that. Yeah. Uh, with each, and they're really good. So, so if you care more yeah. about playing the character and just want your level ups to be quick, you can do that. Now, these uh, little class-based freebies do still keep coming, much like Pathfinder. You'll gain abilities as you level up. Monks, for example, gain key powers once they get to seasoned, which gives them access to spells and a small pool of power points on which to spend these. Uh, now, this does mean that monks gain key powers much, much later than they do in original Pathfinder. It was a bit of a slog, not a slog, but like trying to get to seasoned to unlock my key powers when the D&D versions get them at level two. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it, it feels really good. It's like the monk has ascended, you know? Like, yeah, I know. And when I got there, it was fucking amazing. And also, like, they do, they do start out as being like already really a powerful adventurer, is it? Yeah, yeah, and that's part of the fun of this brand of fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but that's another free, huge mechanical change to your character in addition to all the completely open choices you make using the advancements, as we've just kind of spoken about. Now, you also have in adi- the addition of prestige edges in Savage Pathfinder. These are special, powerful edges that can only be taken once per rank. Now, I didn't know about this until I read this. So, Sean GM the game, we never knew about prestige edges, and they're amazing, James. I... What? They're I, amazing. I. You don't know. You never mentioned them. I didn't put them in my game, like, but I didn't put them in I, like between games. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't put them in a game. Didn't I, was, I was reading. I was reading up on them. You lie. Um, like, um, I thought you had to join certain orders or sects to get them, like. Yeah, but then if you annoy them, you're going to be on the sects offenders register. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. But yeah, so so uh, uh, so like, can you explain about prestige edges? I will because you don't know about them. So uh, well, no, actually, I do know about. Uh, them. Yeah, you I'll, do. You do. Go on in. You take the, uh, the floor is all yours, Sean. Um. So these are like edges you gain while being part of an order or sect. No. Um. <laughs> no. What are they? Of an order or sect. No, what are they? What are the... Well, he's about to tell you. This is cool, Sean, because now I'm telling you so you can use it in your next Savage Path. Yeah, again. cool. Oh, it's actually, it's yeah, worth that's... noting that even though we didn't use these, it was still good. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, still good without them, but I no, feel like this, this is like a really special thing that would have been really nice. Really special. <laughs> no, but seriously, no, but... Uh, no, it, was, no, it, no, it but was fucking great. Honestly, though, Sean, I've, I've talked too much. You tell us. <laughs> I haven't... I don't know. <laughs> there it is alright so Finally. an example is one called Dragon Disciple and to take this all you need to be is seasoned rank oh these are the ones where you have to meet certain requirements in the world and you have to and then well I don't recall it saying that right I'm just gonna I'll, I'll, I'll look it up but look I'll, I will look it up in a second but okay. fucking um, no in fact I'm gonna do it now I'll cut all this silence out of the podcast no it's all good he's fine it's alright it's gonna be good here mate he's actually just found it you know what I mean adventure toolkit 
Control F. Prestige. Oh yeah. The thing about the prestige is. Is that a film? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Sean. Unfortunately, it's just a standard kind of. Yeah, it doesn't really say. The the difference is, is that one of these edges you can only take once per rank. That's it. So that's where it's different to an edge. You can only have one. Uh, uh, prestige edge per rank um, so for example we have one called Dragon Disciple and to take this all you need to do is be seasoned so that's five advancements I think so you need to have an arcane background um, that's the other the, the other um, requirement and uh, so you just be any type of caster and you need at least a D6 in a cult. So that means you've taken a cult as a skill and advanced it once. And this edge means that you have dragon blood in your ancestry, which you've now discovered and fully embraced. So you now have a breath attack, a 3D6 damage breath attack, no less, which can have different effect depending on which one you choose. So, fire breathing gnomes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sean, do you see? Do you see how, my, how this is we've unlocked? Hey, Sean, mate, that we, no. I reckon we would have fucking turned over your campaign with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we would have. The you, amount of times, I know we be, spoke about it, where like, we'd get to a situation and Sean would be like, oh, yeah, you got this. And then like we dispatch the big boss that we've got no, there in like fucking two seconds. No, they're in. They're in. But also, in. also, you know how some edges in Path, uh, Savage Worlds, they have like an improved version, like improved. Sweep. Can you get um, improved, improved prestige edges? You can get improved uh, dragon disciple, and yeah. you level this one later, and you grow wings. So one. flying, fire breathing. No. They're the ones, fucking hell. They're the ones that are like one, two, and three in it. Like, don't, don't yeah. start pretending you know about it. No, like, I know about this. Just uh, all right. No. Just name. Uh, okay, look. Obviously, it's fine. It's, it's, Sean, it's fine if you didn't know about it. But just name one. I know. I thought I knew, but I didn't know. No, I do know. I sort of know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, read, I'm gonna read the book. <laughs> I'm like, again. No, but like, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. Oh. Now, I would say that beyond these changes, the character options are largely exactly the same as Savage Worlds Core, but the addition of the class mechanics does add that Pathfinder brand of fantasy into and the, the race, game. race mechanics. Ah, well. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do speak about that later. Um, and you've got the new races, right? Quite elegantly, oh, they're added into the game without frustrating player freedom too much, and completely changes the feel of the game. Some people found they actually disliked this change, and I can see why because it does railroad you a little bit but I think it's quite well done and uh, really appreciate the work they put in to make it feel just right well, I mentioned that their character options are all the same as Savage Worlds and most of the gear is too it's just the stuff from the medieval examples given in the core rulebook and some of the staple adventuring gear from Pathfinder slash D&D in there too you've got a whole host of um magic items so that's true yeah 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 yeah. the magic items are in the game because that's not something typically that has been in in many savage worlds things to where usually it's like here's this gun that will give you uh the use of this edge permanently or this gun has independent power points and you can use a spell or whatever but all of the the good unique magic items are in there that's exactly right yeah if you get fed up with that as well there's a table for those things yes you can generate some yeah but another new rule is the... And this would have been good to know about, man. This is a good rule. This oh, is yeah. a cracking rule. Let um, just read ahead. Oh, yeah, that's great, yeah. Um, Sean, it, it, no, why don't you tell us about the desperate attack rule? Desperate attack. So you're low on how it HP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're low on HP. Yep. Uh, you hit and... HP? What? Um, that was a thing the, double dice, double. I thought they called it. No, what's? So that's just me. Stop 
Stop murmuring. <laughs> right. uh, okay, so you're low on HP in Savage Worlds. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking like of a desperate attack. Like I'm thinking um, like no no no, <laughs> no not thinking. Say, you tell us what you know about it. it. If you know um, it, say it, say it. If you don't, just say I don't know it. Uh, well, I might know it though because I'm no get, no because no, no, you're just, trying to speculate. No, just, if you, just bam bam if you, it in. All right, if you're low on HP, yeah, um, HP, mate, you might get hit. You might get like another dice. Does your AC come into this at all? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, it comes into. Like, I, I kind of I like thought those. I knew it's another thing I thought like, like no Sean just say I don't know I, 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 I might know no, you don't <laughs> you fully don't so because it, there's it, no HP or AC in Savage Worlds for starters they're called wounds and toughness oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, look it, Sean it's absolutely fine you ran fantasy in Savage Worlds and you used the classes and races pretty much the biggest th- and magic items and monsters from Pathfinder. That's fine. You just did, you, there's a couple of rules you didn't use and it's fine. I'm only ribbing you, it doesn't matter. No, I'm ribbing it because. No, it's expanding next time, no, man. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hope so. Now he knows about it. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, the desperate attack rule is a setting wide maneuver that any character can use. Basically, you can choose during any attack roll to add a plus two or plus four to it, but subtract that amount from damage. So if you have a shaken uh, enemy with relatively low toughness Sick. score, then you just need to quickly kill him before you say, Pops off a spell, activates an alarm. You can pull one of these out. That's sick. It. So it's like um, it's like the oh, fucking what's the one that we covered at, right at the beginning when you gave the original Savage Worlds um, overview. Wild attack. Yeah, yeah, it's like those. Um, it's, so- it's like that, but the the difference is you're you're taking away from damage and adding rather than. A wild attack, you add damage, but you become less yeah, tough. Yeah, but, but I mean, in in the mechanic of where you'd use it, that yeah, would be yeah, the point. similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. You, that's where that's where you would tuck one of these in. You guys are free, you guys are free to use this in the next game. Thanks, oh, mate. thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, yes. thanks for allowing us to use the rules as written. Rules as written. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, thanks. I'm, I'm like you guys. You're learning Jesus. stuff as well. That's good. That's yeah, good. No, it's good. Know it. We're all learning. Now right? the teacher becomes a teachy. <laughs> yeah, we're the teachies now, mate. Yeah, we're the cheese. Yeah, real teachy. Sean, did you know about um, uh, about legendary class mods? Yeah. Oh no, I did. I did that. that right. Bit. I've just made that up. <laughs> No, because you get to the point where oh no, no, that's not. You're thinking of no, prestige. I'm, you're thinking of prestige I'm, I'm classes, the, which are now yeah. prestige edges in this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Anyway, look, Sean, you, you, the Pathfinder, and we'll talk about it today. But so your Savage Pathfinder game is one of the best ones I've ever played. So shut up. Thanks, Obviously, yes. other inclusions is as Sean mentioned, all the races from Pathfinder Two, in a Savage Worlds core book you do have the race builder if you wanted to add these all in which we use for the teenage mutant ninja turtles game but uh very few classic fantasy races are actually included within savage worlds and uh in savage pathfinder they're all there and stacked for you so they've done the work and these come with everything you'd expect bonuses to certain shit dark vision all of that it's nothing amazing but it's nice to have all the classic races built up and stacked for a classic fantasy game in savage worlds for example orcs aren't in Savage Worlds core, nor are gnomes, um, but they're now here. And of course the spells called powers in Savage Worlds are somewhat different to those found in, in Pathfinder. I mean, all of the classic ones are there, right? But the list hasn't been updated in Savage Pathfinder to include a few new ones. In addition to this, players are encouraged, as they are in core, to name their spells and come up with a unique flavour for them. I do love you, that. Like um, adding elements to stuff, like b- yeah. Bolt, for example, that's important. You can't... Yeah. Bolt's one of the bread and butter spells of Savage Worlds. Right. But it has to have like an element. It has to be like ice. So in the 
Savage World's core book, Sean is absolutely right there. It could be ice, it could be something else. But in Savage World's core, it will give examples of trappings for your spells that, uh, so that it kind of gives them for different settings. So it might say bolt is like voodoo magic, or it might say it's a technological gadget if you're playing. But in here, it gives you different archetypes for the spells that fit within Pathfinder instead. So Belt could be Magic Missile, or it could be the example the book gives is that you sh you shoot thorns out and you call it splinters, right? Your spell is splinters. And in your game, of course, uh, the the main wizard, he used Cosmic Magic. So all of his spells are space-themed, um, like black holes, slinging planets at people, that type of stuff. Um, and new spells include Planar Travel, which is a veteran spell where you can teleport 1d10 miles away from a place. Yeah. Or Time Stop, where you get an extra turn or more with a raise, so you still roll to cast it. You could get like up to four turns, four extra turns. Just Oi. Yeah, it's fucking good. Or Wish, a legendary power which allows you to time travel, see the future, gain money, gain an edge, or so on. They're all very cool. And now, as Sean mentioned, we also do have the magic items, which isn't often covered in Savage Worlds. Um, and all the items are here. Uh, classic Pathfinder ones. You've got the Rod of Stiffness. That's a, that's, yes. That, nah, that's a real one. That's a real one. Get my um, hands around that. Amulet of the Plains, the Jizz Gargler. That's not a real one. The uh, <laughs> Tukus of Sniffing, that kind of thing. But Tukus. it's just cool to have them all statted out for Savage Worlds. You Deck know what of I mean? Many yeah. Things is there as well. Deck of Many Things, yeah. All of it's there, and it's 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 like now been restatted. It's very nice to see. And the same goes for the Bestiary, too. Uh, Savage Worlds includes a number of fantasy monsters, but they're by no means large in number. So it's good. The, the Bestiary for uh, Pathfinder puts all the classics in there as well as a lot more. So good to have them all stacked up. And more or less, I think that Savage Pathfinder is a simple, elegant, well-presented package to add Pathfinder to your game. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it allows for that high-power epic fantasy within a game system that really thrives with this kind of cool play. No, it just does everything really well. Though. That's it, that's it. Yeah. And I, I've got to be honest with you, if the Savage Worlds rules were not in the book, it would be a pamphlet. But they are included then. This is a, this is, the it's Savage Pathfinder is a system. Right. Yeah. And, and and it does make meaningful changes from core, so it's best to have it all in the same place. Um but yeah, so so with that, that is more or less the book, lads. That's you, it. You, um that's just the core book as well. You got like what they've got three several books. Uh, they call them plot point camzanes in uh, Savage Worlds. They've got several of those that have come out. There's the there's the companion book where you've got a whole world the Pathfinder what the the, the official Pathfinder yeah yeah. But I, the reason I didn't include that in this review is because I think that I think in the right hands Galarian is very good but I think very few people actually use the setting of Pathfinder or is that just me I don't know no there's, you're probably right but um, it's really you've got GM screens custom adventure cards custom action cards all of this shit for, for Savage Worlds it's it's yeah there's, there's extra shit too as uh, a box set it's but fucking that's, well worth it and yeah, I think that is, the yeah. adventure they included was Rise of the Rune Lords is that right yeah and um, that's like known get, as like the classic Pathfinder pack campaign model Module, and it looks really good. I just don't have Rise of the Rune Lords money, but um, you know, it's uh, they got their own minis. You got bloody, you, you even get your own screen with that as well. The Rune yeah, Lords screen, yeah, a separate uh, one. So a yeah, book as well. Um, Overall, it's crazy. But it's very good. Do you like it, Sean? What's your favourite uh, thing about it? Absolutely love it. Um, I think his favourite things is the uh, that new edge he just learned. And the, yeah, all the legendary stuff. edges, no, desperate attack, classics. You know, I'm still learning. That's the thing. That's the 
the thing. I that's how deep it. That's how deep it is. Do you know? I can't wait for the advanced player companion as well. New, new bloody classes, uh, new races. Putting... The Inquisitor, um, bloody um, witch. Um, it's going to be insane. Alchemist. Um, they're bringing Alchemist. That back as well, so oh yeah. It's um, a new spellcasting class who make potions, basically, which is very easy to do within Savage Worlds. So you can make drinkable versions of spells was it like or a... throwable versions of spells yeah that'd be sick yeah. you could pass them to anyone then exactly that's it that's such a so fucking much that's more a game depth. changing uh, so class that is. what yeah. you can do I don't know if it'll work this way but in Darkhold they had something similar where you would imbue crystals with stuff and you would make them so it would use your power points and bear in mind power points they usually recover at one per hour right so what you could do if you were preparing for a big fight is is make let's say for example you've got a burst spell right but you make a burst spell potion and uh, make several wait for your power points to recoup if you've got like the big battles in three days give those to a player keep making a horde of them and then suddenly you've got all these spells you can chuck about the whole team just be bursting fucking, all over that'll the place. be amazing it'd be fucking awesome james your thoughts on savage pathfinder uh, well, I think it's, it's obviously been completely covered in everything that has been spoken about. But from a personal perspective, I feel like it was such a good marriage because us three sitting in this room right now played Pathfinder a lot. And we were the original gaming group years and years ago, just yeah. us three doing stuff. And we played Pathfinder for ages. It was a really, really amazing campaign and we absolutely loved it. And we'd only play Pathfinder, nothing else ever. Then the birth of Savage Worlds came about and we realised just how much it could do because of the system that it has. Mm-hmm. And we've played so many different Savage Worlds-based campaigns, it's it's crazy. And uh, if you're a long-term listener, then you would have heard about it all. But, oh, yeah, and I don't think I've ever had a bad time in a Savage Worlds game, even some bad ones that I've played. But like, none of them, I guess... Doesn't yeah, work, doesn't happen. None of them come really close to... The majesty of Pathfinder. The majesty, no. the sheer beauty. I would say that the the Savage Pathfinder itself, as a system, is I think it's like perfection. Um, it's particularly because my love of role playing was birthed from Pathfinder, from epic fantasy. Yeah, yeah. and that's my f- definite my favourite um, uh, uh, setting to to be involved in. Same, but the campaign that Sean run I think really really like set it in stone for us well let's, let's wow. get into this because I, 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 I did like Pathfinder and I like the type of world and type of fantasy that you played right we all did mm. but the thing is it's just as the rules got more and more flabby I, I sort of I, I, I fell in love with the actual playing of it less and this basically what it did was it made it so that the playing of that type of thing became fun again yeah. and it was that it had that mechanical complexity without, without being uh, mechanically difficult to understand or difficult to play or long to resolve and um, basically it was just playing this We because we've been playing a bunch of stuff and all good shit like we played Root we played Deadlands we played well we played Savage Fallout um, loads and loads of good shit right but then it was like playing and, and also the last 5e campaign we played was the worst game I've ever played in my life Oh yeah! Oh, it was oh, no, terrible. No, no. I was worst, oh the worst campaign. Yes, I was. Uh, I was bringing in one shots into my mind. But yeah, no. But actually, yeah. some of the oh, one, yeah. some of the single episodes from that campaign were also worse than some of the one shots I've ever played. Yeah, same, same. It wasn't the best. <laughs> 
Um, but listen, all I wanted to say was that, that like, that, 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 so, so for a long, long while, right, I'd sort of gotten out of um, playing that brand of fantasy. And then it was like, but this came out, made it fun again to play that brand of fantasy, reminded me how much I absolutely loved that type of fantasy. Yeah, because we nearly had to, like, sort of disband the group, like, because of that terrible cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you know what was funny was that was that it was like playing that, and then I was like, I've got this shelf of stuff I've always wanted to run a campaign in, and we played MCC, and of course MCC is fucking great. Um, oh, yeah. But it's 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 not fantasy, and it's not even similar to like playing D and D or whatever, really. But then I sort of was like, ah, oh, look, I've always wanted to do an old school essentials campaign. I'm going to play this, and as soon as like we because we got up to level six, I think, which is kind of a long time for uh, old school essentials, and but playing it, I realised that. A level one character and a level five character. Let's say you create a new character now, you come into the campaign. Mechanically, they're exactly the fucking same, right? Yeah. If, if, if The only difference is that their hit points are higher. That's it. And if they're a wizard, they've got more spells. Fair enough. But but a level one fighter and a level five fighter, it's the same. And, okay, in old school essentials, by that time you have a flying mount. But what do you do in combat? You hit things. You don't have any cool maneuvers you can do. That, so your strategizing is all based only based around moving and hitting yeah, that's it yeah you don't get cool abilities like dirge or whatever innit? yeah and like seeing all that kind of stuff like it's, it's like I do understand that 5e can get bogged down in mechanics if you don't have a group that are up to scratch with their with their with their shit on their sheet right and I know that a lot of players aren't and that's why 5e can be bad to play but it's sort of a bit Pathfinder well, is like it, it does that without getting bogged down and there's less chance of it anyway but I was playing old school essentials and I was just like so it's really only the magic items that, that differentiate people mechanically and although your characters are very good the fights were very epic and things like this it was just like yeah but what is the reward for levelling up here more hit points it's like I understand if it's a very very different game it's much more about slow dungeon exploration and things like this and I, I understand that but it's just my brand of fantasy that I love and that I fell in love with was Pathfinder really yeah. and old school D&D like board games and stuff I really enjoyed the game itself but maybe it ended at the right time um, yeah because I cut it off at 11 episodes I think it was and I was just like Look, I'm enjoying this, but I want something where the characters feel like capable adventurers. Do you know what I mean? And I do. I do feel bad for pointing this out because James and I both loved it, but um, like we did the last episode without JT, um, and he didn't. He didn't even. He ask. never even asked. I said this though. No, no, but I, I, I get it because it's. It, I was. I was enjoying playing with you guys, but I wasn't enjoying the system that much, and I get it. I totally fucking understand it. But the last session, I wanted it out of the way to be honest with you, so we did it without one of our players. But I feel like the actual what we achieved in the session was oh, no, it unreal. Was, it was it was yeah, very very good, and all the good. stuff that you did and the amount of obstacles you overcame were very good. It's not like it wasn't fun. No, maybe but it we just wasn't done... my personal brand of fun. And I maybe we could have done it in Pathfinder. It's probably in Savage Pathfinder would have been a better thing. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and thinking about it, right, was that, you know, like, when we leveled up recently with, with the 5e one, and seeing Sean look at his book and then start doing a thing, because he's got and this also, fucking new ability that changes everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and also I was yeah, just that's, like, that's I, I, got to, I chose my um, new the arcane background, and then it was just like, yeah, I get to choose spells, and I was just like, yeah, I'll just do that during the week then. But you were also, yeah, and like seeing that that like, that passion ignited for your characters from a mechanical and strategical 
point like, view. But like thinking about like, this, I, I was like, we're back. This even, is what I love. That's, even that's, like thinking about you, James, like ch- trying to like balance out your spells to get like the perfect sort of spell. Yeah, the thing that is, is part of the fun of it. The thing yeah. is as well as as you pointed out um, when you're talking about this new version of uh, uh, sorry, the new light brought to Five E that we're playing for at the moment. Um, the fact that you can play it essentially it doesn't matter everyone every single player could be an op min maxer but that would that doesn't have to break the game at no, all it really doesn't and and uh, i think that the characters being very powerful is part of the fun right? yeah i think we're all okay trying, yeah. it's, it's not everyone's good for a cup of tea but like them being powerful is part of the fun and i'm not saying 5e is the best one at doing it it's just that i think it's one of the greater options at the moment for that brand of fantasy with savage pathfinder probably being the best right yeah it's That's, the best yeah. uh, but i just uh, but you have savage pathfinder i don't and i wanted to play something of that brand and we loved 5e the last time we played it so i was like yeah it's great but yeah it's, it's sort great. of like playing savage pathfinder shed a new light on some of the books i previously absolutely fucking loved where i was like actually this is but you know, fucking boring do you know what's funny though is like we we started playing pathfinder because before we were playing fourth edition uh yeah yeah that's true that's actually yeah. true yeah yeah um now i still do love other brands of fantasy like obviously dcc is very good but mm. what people what, what right? is it's different it is an osr game but it does actually have mechanical depth especially yeah. when you talk about spells patrons the shit that even fighters can do that makes them mechanically interesting and clerics and all this it's like but that 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 is, I think, more where OSR games should be going. Not rules heavy, but mechanically interesting, but still rules light. And that's what Savage Worlds has always done. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's but, always been the same set of rules. And yeah. I, and it's like it was genuinely has made me look at. If you look up there on that top shelf, James, I just, I'm trying to sell a bunch of my stuff now because that's the, or on the top right there in the middle where old school essentials is. I'm trying to sell it. Because it okay. shed a bit of light on some of my books where I'm like, I don't think I would like this anymore. <laughs> so, genuinely. But I actually thought to myself, right, that is more or less how Savage Pathfinder ruins a lot of RPGs for me. But I actually thought <laughs> to myself, right, so what do, I, what do I play now that's new, right? And, and I'm happy with this, right? But I like DCC, I like Savage Worlds, and I think I like 5e quite a lot, right? Can I really be an RPG critic on a podcast anymore if I'm playing D&D 5e and I really like it? Do you know no, what I mean? For that is, that's like the most basic bitch it possibly gets. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. No, because you come full circle. It is though, but that's the point. No, 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 I'm worthless. But we, no, 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 but no, we but play. That's fine. We, we play those different types of games for 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 this though, isn't it? Like you know, it is partially for the podcast, but also it's all um, like I enjoy trying it's out hobby, new stuff. Though. Yeah, but you have, but like sometimes we'll like I'll run a shorter campaign of say we did with Root when the new Deadlands came out we were all excited for it I ran a what a fourteen episode campaign that was pretty fucking fun yeah. um, and you know I'm going to still try new stuff but it is, I was just a little bit like sort of you know when you get sort of an internal struggle that was happening with me I'm like can I really just go back to playing Five E after years of saying how much I love OSI shit and finally going. But I tell you what, I do like OSI shit. I like it a lot, right? I think uh, Warlock is a very fucking good game. DCC uses OSR. Actually, it's a mod of 3.5, but it's an OS, <laughs> technically an OSR game, but it does interesting things with it. Yeah. Morgborg is the fucking same. 
and uh, there's probably others that I've got. I mean, at least the Lamentations of the Flame Princess adventures are doing very interesting stuff. And this is what I'm talking about. I don't think old school essentials is if you like BX D and D, it's like the the version of it. But I don't think I like BX. You can't really. It's as simple uh, as that. DCC is good because you can't really get anything else where you're always feeling like you're on the back foot. But it, but in a way where you have mechanical like like actual strategic options that are outside of just I hit him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That I've also DCC lends itself to really make you think a lot more about how to um, overcome. Uh, the the, uh, the the stuff that's like stopping you in your tracks. Well, yeah. look at look at the fucking Ravenloft campaign, right? Because you played, I think it was a rogue, wasn't it? It was the Butler a rogue. Oh yeah, because he was so good at sort of sneaking around the yeah. palace, and then and uh, w- which was fucking fun anyway. But then you also had um, we also had Nick with his spells and the amount of like different and interesting uses that levitate spell got and color spray <laughs> and burning hands, yeah. burning hands. Malevitate. but it's also you're always you're always weighing up that strategy of is this spell going to go off too big or um, am I going to fail and get a corruption or even the warriors in that game with mighty deeds it's like they, the amount of different shit they can do is very very strategically and mechanically interesting oh. in a way that I think that BXD&D just fucking isn't honestly the whole actual play is just extremely nerve wracking especially when there are crowds involved <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and like Cyberspool Classics as well is another very very fucking good OSR game so yeah, I still do like them I just don't think I like the retro clones that are very very basic I like the ones that are doing interesting shit do you know what I mean well, I feel like um, uh, without saying it uh, explicitly um, I would say that for instance DCC uh, and its various spin-offs are um, they're the best ones they are the best ones but Titans I also feel like for our group um, uh, they, they really, really lend themselves well to actual plays. Yeah, like, really, really well because we found a way to uh, I don't know, just just get on with it and just just crack on. Whereas if we and we have played some campaigns of it, but if we played like several of them, um, we may get to a point where we could maybe get a bit bored of it but because we're playing it for a specific reason we've and also, never got and bored also of they've it. been shorter yeah. i don't know i don't know though because we if you've ever played high level dcc and the way that it is completely fucking different to low level i mean it's insane we should try and do that one yeah. time oh definitely just definitely. go straight into a higher level yeah i mean uh, that's we played a uh, i think we were level 4 when we did the chained coffin that was pretty oh, that, yeah, and that, that is a fucking good. Cracking one. I mean, we've. Sort I mean, it's difficult gone to level up in DCC here. anyway. Because uh, yeah, dying. But the only thing about DCC is I own DCC. It's a very good book. It's a must own. But I don't. I like because I've got Pathfinder. You know, I can't really run DCC. <laughs> no, but they are very, very different. Though. Yeah, they are. They are. DCC, yeah. I would say, is like it would be probably my favourite RPG. But the thing is about it is that is that it is is just very, very different. What it does is I think it, it creates new rules and mechanics that are inspired by 70s and 80s role playing but it doesn't it's not just bogged down in it do you know what I mean it does new stuff and interesting stuff and that's what makes it good um, and the aesthetic the fucking spells are crazy and this is what I'm saying With my point of all of this was that I, it's not that I dislike other types of games right I like other types of games but it did make me hate a big portion of my RPG collection and that's that's yeah, I'm you to blame that, 
What's that? I've got you to blame for that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you are not a tree. <laughs> no, but for example, I'm keeping Hyperborea, which literally is a clone of, of AD&D, but that's, again, a more of a mechanically interesting game, and they've added new classes into it, like 12 new classes. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, we've gone on for too long. I will say this, that it was also Baldur's Gate 3 that made me realise that D&D 5e is, from a strategic point of view, very fucking enjoyable, and, and I've been enjoying it. But uh, sorry if you now if if you're a listener and you're thinking right now I, he's he's gone full circle he started hating other things and he's playing five e and therefore I can't trust the word he says mm. uh, yeah my opinion involves a lot um, and if you don't want to listen anymore I understand and I'm with, sorry also no, keep Dad? listening for Sean's conspiracy corner there uh, oh yeah Jacko's back yeah, we had we had this already Jacko's back all right Dun. oh wait are we are we going into conspiracy no. corner. I'm just telling the listeners to stay on. So we're on never doing sure. it again after Jacko's back and that two-pack video you showed me. All right, uh, well that's it. Um, I hope that elucidates why Savage Pathfinder ruined my life. And uh, if you guys <laughs> want to go, should we do some electro letters? I-, I think we should. Got some cracking ones here today. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir is the electro letter dr reverend sid he says question do you think the savage pathfinder is the worst rpg ever i think uh no and why do you think it's the worst well i just told you it's because it's shit mate yeah if they'd have put prestige edges in there the reason it's the worst is because (laughs) now it's we can't we can't we can't play much else because it made me waste thousands of pounds um but he says serious question what's your opinion on the class edges in savage pathfinder first i thought they were kind of pointless and i still kind of think kind of pointless oh no Uh, um i think the sample character progressions given in the uh, uh, in the core savage worlds for pathfinder book look too much like here's the advances you get with each level up of your character now i think we did Uh, we did chat about we covered we covered these because it's not great it's not with each level up you still get customization within them yeah and the thing is this is for people that want that uh, party-based, like role-based situation where people have their very, very set roles. And it, but it's it does allow for customization between the milestone rewards you get for being a certain class. And I yeah. think if you don't like that, you don't necessarily have to use them. You could just do go classless, use their magic items, the new edges, the new spells, couldn't you? Mm. Um, but I can understand somebody not liking it. But I think it's just. It's not too... In fact, it's not that rigid to the point where it ruins anything, in my opinion. I just think it adds sort of roles. It's only, it's only every so often, and it feels really good. It does actually feel like you have a proper class because you start out with these abilities, but then you just get these edges every so often. But, but then, it just depends on whether or not you like that type of role-based party. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's up to you. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can see why people think it's pointless, but I think when you realised how... It's not actually. It's not a massive, heavy touch. They've done it with quite a light touch, haven't they? But maybe you just get a little nuance with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you you could be yeah, like we said, just be a muscly fucking kung fu wizard if you wanted to be, and you could do that much easier within this than you could in say D and D five e. Because I don't allow multiclassing in five e because it's broken. Um, but in this, you kind of can do that, and it's still not broken. Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, CJ, he says, follow up to Sid's question, the fantasy companion and core for Savage Worlds have the edges that could let a character build slower from zero to hero, eventually having most, if not all, the powers and in the class edges. They both have a decent amount of overlap on powers and monsters as well. Since you won't be getting a fantasy companion series, what would you like to see in future Savage Pathfinder books? I have noticed uh, within the fantasy companion, they've got loads of classes 
but it's not as tight as Pathfinder. But it's good. It's a good addition to have if you've already got Pathfinder. It's like. a toolbox, though, isn't it? A yeah. Fantasy companion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, know, I understand what you're one. saying. Like, well, by the point you're at veteran, you could have just taken things that are semi-equivalent to the class edges. I get that, but the the difference is you get these ones are free. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the whole point. Right? But um, what would you like to see in future Savage Pathfinder books? Well, they're doing the oh, they're doing yeah. the uh, expansion, aren't they? With the new yeah. classes and advanced players guide. Yeah, advanced players guide. That's, that's what be. I want. That's what I want. Yeah, right. I just want that honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I would. I don't know how, how what they would include in there, but but there's I don't know now know this is a racist word, but they used to call it Oriental Adventures. Right, and that's yeah. where they had ninja and samurai. Odd oh, like that. Now OSE for years have been threatening to make the fucking Oriental book, and they haven't done it. And I've been waiting for it, where they were going to include the monk, which is missing, uh, a ninja and samurai. I would love to see that in fucking in Savage Pathfinder, ninja and samurai. Bring them back. That'd be fucking great. And maybe some others. I don't know what you you could do like a warlord type class using sort of Chinese mythology, couldn't you? That'd be cool. Yeah, well, like Ming. Ming the Merciless. Like Ming the Merciless, like uh, Zhang Fei. Oh, yeah. Zhang yeah. He. From Dynasty Warriors. Exactly. You know what I mean? But like somebody fights like that, like a warlord class. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe a sort of sweep adjacent thing could be what you start with. Like that would be pretty tight. But yeah, yeah so I, I would like the Eastern stuff because I think that's fucking cool. Uh, James? Um, I was racking my brain to try and think because I know I'm not uh, much of a DM, but I think it would be fun um, because for instance Sean likes uh, companions and animal companions um, I feel like that would be quite a nice addition if like they had book of mounts so. yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, if they yeah for instance if they could uh, put all the different kinds of animals and how they could be used like as as an enemy as a as a friend and all that Thing kind of catch, stuff that would be co- see there was a book a third party book that came out for D&D that's like that but they it's, it's like Pokemon yeah. but to make it like so you can capture the animals he's he's done a whole new you could tame them well yeah it's that yeah. but he's done whole new monsters that are all little ones so you're not capturing yeah. goblins and dragons but like something yeah. like that that is a fucking cracking idea like, animal companions for Pathfinder that would be that. like Power World where you could get them to like do shit for you yes yeah. Yeah. that is an idea and a half I think I think that would be fucking amazing. Just, just like, because I know you could already do animal companions, and yeah. actually in Savage Worlds, when I played the Warhammer spin-off, uh, I had a pet goblin called <laughs> Fluffy. Uh, but yeah, we no, I think that'd be that'd be amazing. That's such a good idea. But like Shane Hensley, we copyright that. You can buy it off us. How much do you want for it? Uh, just like one mil. One mil. But just you. like the ability to like fire your companion from a bazooka and then they explode and stuff. Does yeah. that require a whole book or? I mean, no, that's part of it. That's just... That's just so, one, so the book is called... Just one ex- new book for Savage Worlds. New Kickstarter for Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. And it comes out, it's called How to f- Shoot Your Friend Out of a Boobzooka and Stuff. I'd buy boob it. Zooka. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was an accident. It's like those animes that, like, you know, you, you see, Sean, this you, is you not see the anime. title. You right, see... see, I come up with a cool idea. James comes up with a cool idea. You want to... You, all, you talk your about idea. anime, you weeb. Your idea... <laughs> your, your idea for Savage uh, for Pathfinder for Savage Worlds is that you want a bazooka that you can shoot your mate out of. Um, yeah, well, I, like a companion. That's, you could do... You, I could write that for you now. It'll take yeah. you five minutes. You could stay that's, out. That's right. part of it. I that's guess. part of it. I mean, the whole book is it's going to be deep. The whole book's yeah. about animals. But it's about building shot animals. Could, it's about life, the human experience, what it means to be a man. Like your pals in a world. 
Sorry. Your pals. Die, please. Um, CJ has a second question. He says, I read that people ate Egyptian mummies as medicine until the late 1800s. What fantasy monster or race do you think should be sold as drugs in your game? I'm thinking ground fairy wing dusk being snorted by the evil general to fly over the walls of the castle. Uh, He's pretty much nailed it, hasn't he? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking sick. Oh, mate, you could add... In addition to the animal fucking companion book, then you could have... That, like the uh, a botanical and herbs um, book. I hate to bring this up because rhetoric around modern uh, RPGs at the moment, people always say, well, in Baldur's Gate, um, but I'm going to do that now. Um, in Baldur's Gate, you have this thing called a moon lantern, and it's powered by a fairy being in it, being tortured by spikes, which is pretty fucking cool. That's great. But, like, but it's like, help you, you've got to get me out of here. And it's like really... But then the second you 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 decide not to let out, it's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And it's like this evil thing. So I think grinding up fairies, considering they do have that dual yeah. nature, that's fine. That's quite... No, it's not fine. It's quite sad. But um, like, see, in Zelda, like the fairies, they just go in there and they're, they're helping you. Like, why do we need spikes? You Look, know? Just what, Sean, what, like, right. A, a fantasy drug made out of a monster in a game. You, you're going to go, probably go slard, I imagine. Um, well, I was just more thinking of like the sort of a bladder of something that you eats snort it, poisonous shit. And oh, no, so wait, you take no, it as a recreational wait, drug. I know where you're going with this. Let me let me put your mind at rest. I figured yes. it all out. There's several different kinds of slime. Them. Yeah. If you if you ingest. Uh, essence of those kinds of slime you can like, get like sludgy you get a, like a low thing like a poisony one where um, I don't know it can sort of like messes you up oh, in a you, no way. no here's what you do you get you get gelatinous cube right yeah. and you filter out uh, some of the bad stuff just so, it's, so you can coat your throat with it and then you can you can eat things so you can ingest poison or whatever eat oh. broken glass and it'll just get absorbed into the acid in your throat oh, like, it's not really a recreational drug is it if you had to if you had to go to like say like a chili eating contest, you know you've that sort- would be very handy. I mean, it's sorted. specific, but you know it'd be very. I think grounded up pixies is basically the best one. It is. It what- is. Other than like different types of fur that you could smoke, or maybe a dwarf's <laughs> a dwarf's liver. But I'd, I'd, sure, I'd, I, mean, I don't want to be like immoral, but like no. But what about like, like I mean it's a pretty obvious one. But what about like scraping the sort of dust off a dragon and something like this? So like actually cartels are. Keeping dragons yeah. struck. Well, dragon scales. It's always it's going to be ground. It's going to be ground to come back, compact, no matter what you're thinking of. All boiled and uh, uh, resin extracted. So, you so could, maybe you could do dragon scales. Dragon then, scales. They yeah. make you. Uh, they they make you feel incredibly powerful, yeah. but they also make you slightly powerful. Cartels are capturing young dragons, keeping them strung up, yeah. scraping them off. It's a yeah, kind of, it's cool adventure. Uh, the younger they are, the quicker their scales grow back. There you go. There you nice. Go. That's yeah. pretty grim. That works. But it works. Yeah. That's good. Um, Oshi, he says, how do you feel about combat encounters with little to no plot relevance? Random encounters with roaming bandits or wildlife and such, especially when in a system where experience slash progression doesn't need to come from combat. Uh, I quite enjoy it. I don't I've, mind, I've I don't mind a, it. You're in a world. things up. You're, yeah, you're in a, you're in a world... Sometimes the part the plot is we're trying to get to this place and something gets in the way. See, like, um, like I, you know, I've been jacked a couple of times. Like, I've had my phone and my wallet robbed. Um, that wasn't part of my plot. That was just annoying. Exactly. <laughs> but it's made you who you are today. That's because you used to live in Croydon, eh? and you were getting That's robbed it. all the time. Your house got robbed once. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
So um, no, I look. I think that the 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 often random encounters aren't going to have any specific plot relevance. But there's one very very easy way to make them relevant to the to the game as a whole. They don't have to have necessarily be always like oh the big bads bad guys are coming after you. That's the random encounter. You can have an encounter that's none of that but it could if it either a adds an, a, a plot hook into it like something yeah. you could follow up or b uh shows you something about the world then i think those are relevant encounters. and also it gives the players the opportunity to flesh out their characters a bit more because it yeah. could be a situation that they're not used to therefore they have to act differently and Seeing then they, they do have, under pressure yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I think that that if you use them well, you know, if you just ban monsters in front of people, left, right, and centre, that's going to get. There's TV. no reason for them to be there. Yeah, if they if you know those kind of random encounters that don't really make sense. But recently, uh, for a good long while now, a bunch of random encounters that we've uh, had the privilege of playing through have been so diverse. Well, I, I so I got this ICRPG deck. Um, and then I've got prompts in my notebook. And what I do is I pull a card with an image on it and I try to make it always either have a plot hook, be relevant to the plot, or just tell you something about the world. I mean, for example, uh, you guys were going down to the harbour to go and meet this fucking woman. Uh, and one of the random encounters I pull is is about a wine merchant who's stolen one barrel of really good wine and he's put it in front of all the shit ones he's got right this is like Baldarian red and he's trying to he's like mate I, there's a, you know I work for uh, this wine merchant and uh, we've got to get rid of him today so I'm selling him uh, a really decent price so he's going to sell you Baldarian red much cheaper than it really should be um, but actually he's selling shit wine much more expensive than it should be and something like that it just tells you about the city that there are people selling illegal shit on the docks and that not to trust mm. everyone do you know what I mean and, just something like that and, and you, recently you got a random encounter and I did involve the plot in it in, in a pretty fun way um, but, but it's part of it as well is um, that you sort of know or maybe you're getting to know a certain part of an area uh, Absolutely. I yeah. mean, even like if you look at James, year, well, I can't remember how many years it was, but when you ran your Pathfinder campaign and we went into the woods, there was these woods outside the city and we got attacked by an owl bear and some drow. Well, now we know those two things live there and then we probably shouldn't fuck around in there. So then later on it can become pro- plot relevant because you can go, oh, you've go got to go there. into those woods and yeah. suddenly we were all like, oh shit, right? Yeah. So yeah. We may encounter an owl bear. Yeah, you can make <laughs> yeah. it relevant later on. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, no, they don't always have to... Uh, I think with little to no plot relevance, you that's when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and somebody's just rolling completely randomly. Right, here's a goblin that comes out of a bin or something like that. I like that though. Um, no, but you know what I mean. Like, like you just yeah, that makes sense. Oh, you just <laughs> encounter you just encounter three liches for no reason. But like, yeah. like if it tells you something about the world or the ecology of the world, that's that's acceptable, I think. But it's when you do too many that are just banned. I think bandits are the bad way to go, basically, because it's always. But yeah, okay, they're bandits, fine. But it's always a bit, little bit dull um, for, to have a random encounter with a random group of bandits that have no relevance to the plot. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, what what's wrong? No, 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 I was just making a joke about it. Well, because you recently fought some bandits in a non-random encounter that was a curated dungeon that I made. I think no, I think you, I think you guys fought a few bandits in the Pathfinder campaign. We did. Well, 
We fucking did. Do you know what? Retrospectively, eight out of ten. Shit campaign. <laughs> no, but all, most of the most of the random characters in your game had relevance. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, we, yeah, they, I was like, I was trying to think about it just now. I was like, no, they were all they were all part of the story. Because when we when we were flying, they weren't, about, they weren't just random. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we were flying somewhere. I can't remember if it was it was like dragon bait. I can't remember, but we were flying somewhere and we got attacked by birds. That yeah, and when we went to the fucking uh, laundrette. But I think you really, really like. There are a lot of GMs maybe out there that scrape the bottom of the fucking barrel. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. literally just like, here's a monster I think is cool. Why are you fighting it in this location, even though it doesn't make sense? I don't care. Here you go, fight it. That, yeah, that's lazy. Do you know what we've I mean? Had a lot of that's that lazy. Thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, right. Uh, the next one is Genius Hero Destroyer. He says, "What's the most amount of prep you've done for a single session you've run?" And I think that's got that has got to be. It's got to be con games that I've done, surely. Oh, a thousand percent. Cause that the, makes sense. When you do those, I tend to make really nice character sheets, put pictures on there, put descriptions, all of this stuff. And, and it also it, depends what you're running, because if you're running some something homebrew, then you need to put the time and effort into making sure... Um, using um, terms that have been used before for other make stuff, it easy for people to yeah, get like to. twists and complications and all that kind of stuff yeah. you need to make sure that there's a good set of them and a good direction to you listening you listening Guy McDonnell yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, no uh, yes yeah, so con, it's, it's got to be con and, and in fact most people when I see them put the most effort in is con games because usually they're doing the amount of prep you would do for a campaign for a single session do you know yeah. what I mean um, I think the most I've ever done was when I ran there was a uh, it wasn't my adventure but there was an adventure I ran but I ported it to Solomon Kane and it was where a bunch of uh, Twilight is being put on as a play uh, but the vampires in the play are real and uh, they're, they're, they're vampiring a lot of the fans and you have to investigate. Because uh, I did I did custom character sheets. I bought minis for it. I uh, printed off and drew some maps. I even took spent ages fucking cutting out Bella and... Uh, what's his name? Edward, is it? Their faces to make a custom poster for the game written in all oldie English and shit like this. So... So it's like you. They went into this teenage girl's room. He's gone missing, and they find this poster. And you know, I make props and shit like this. Did the same for yeah, my uh, Frozen Skies game that I ran. You know, it's always those that you put the most effort in. Sean, how about you? None of the above. Uh, probably some some of the Fallout games, but um, to be honest, there was probably one path Savage uh, uh, Pathfinder for Savage Worlds game that um, oh yeah no because I, I, I put quite a lot of effort into all my games so it's like I'm always sweating so. the, the entire well I mean you you had you had to bring a suitcase with you to the game because you had too much stuff but yeah. I think the entirety of the Pathfinder campaign was leading up to the final reveal session and so that is a lot of prep I would say yeah definitely um, but um, like there was uh, but there was one boss fight where you guys fought like a giant, giant polar bear um, and Sean and went to the toy shop to buy buy a polar bear mini. A lot uh, of my time was spent sort of mulling over whether to spend fifteen pounds on this. On a single. Do you know what was funny though? Was that we nearly fucked that episode, didn't yeah. we? Because we found a way around. Yeah. It. And and he was like, Sean was like, Sean was like, oh, but I went to Toy Barn House and that man like. <laughs> and I, 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 we ended up sort of suggesting to you, look, you could still use it. What if the bad guy now sees us doing what we're doing and comes out with a giant polar bear mini? Um, you were like, oh yeah, yeah, sick, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. It was just Sean, but in disbelief, going, I went to Toy Barn House, man. <laughs> um, 
Right, we do have quite a few more. Uh, we'll try to get through these a bit quicker. Mr. Mouthsaws, he says, it rare? That's his question with a question mark. Yes. Then he, yes. Then it he says, says, serious question. Solo RPGing is on the rise. Thoughts on it? And if you had to do a solo RPG, what would be your choice for game or genre? Um, I like solo RPGs, but then nowhere they don't even come close to being what playing an RPG is like. But it's like playing one of those choose-your-own-adventure books, but with better rules. With the extra steps in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's fun. I did a couple of the Tunnels and Trolls ones. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. If I was going to do a solo one, I don't know what system I'd use because honestly, it's not something that's in my wheelhouse. I've only it's got to be a different system. Yeah, I think. its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably say go and play Baldur's Gate three at that point, isn't it? Do you, do you know what? I just agree with that. Because <laughs> do, do you know the thing is, right? If I'll just recommend some video games that are like playing an RPG with a very good GM, right? Fallout 1, The Banner Saga 1, 2, and 3, Bullscape 3, Elysium. Disco Elysium, uh, Planescape Torment, all the Baldur's uh, Gates, KOTOR. KOTOR, yeah, um, yeah, so just play one of those, mate. I mean, because <laughs> to be honest, it's like playing a tabletop RPG, as close as you're going to get on a computer, right? And you're playing on your you're own. You're playing on your own, so you don't have to worry about anyone else. You're making deep decisions for usually a group or a single character. Yeah, fucking that's it, isn't it? That's the system I'd use. A computer. <laughs> Setting uh, probably Forgotten Realms uh, or Fallout. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a really shit answer, isn't it? It's a good answer. It is a good answer, I'm afraid. Sorry, mate. Um, Cuckold the Clown, he says, what are your thoughts on the Israeli-Palestine genocide and how can RPG games help to find a solution? Uh, we'll move on from that one. Illicit Illithid, he says, how are you all doing? I hope it's well. Yeah, everyone good? Yeah, done alright. Bit yeah. hungover today, but yeah, um, keep well. feel keep actually well. great. Um, there's only bread-based questions because that would that, would that, that's, that was the most fired up we've ever been. <laughs> I don't care about RPGs. I care about bread. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Let's get that bread. Uh, yeah, I'm doing alright, mate. Uh, basically, I'm half left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm do I'm good. Everyone's good. Um, do you know how much all of us look forward to hearing you each episode, even Sean? It's a lot. Even Sean? Well, they yes, that yes, is mate. Shot well, yes. well, no. And he no. spelt your name S H A W N. Yes. 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 Oh, even better. My guy. What slag? Do you know what slag? <laughs> do you know what? It does touch me to know that some people. It does touch me like my uncle did to know me to know that some people feel that way about this podcast. And this is why we we continue, mate. It's for you. It's not for me. I don't like this. I never have. Yeah, no, it's for us because we're the only one that listen, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even <laughs> I listen. As you've, as you've no doubt realised, I hate most RPGs now, so, you know. Um, <laughs> this podcast fucked. <laughs> but I'm glad you look forward to it, mate, and that is very nice. Like even, um, even me, yeah. Even Sean. Yeah. Um, hey, Sean, that's a really nice yeah, thing to have He's saying he look forward to listening shit, to it's you. A, it's a shit sandwich, isn't it? It is. Um, but he does have a question. He says, would you rather play a session where everyone had Cheeto dust covered fingers from start to finish <sighs> or from within the ball pit of a McDonald's? I don't know if you have oh. those in Bongland, so I'll attach a picture. We used to, didn't we? We used to. We don't anymore. That is a hard one, though. Do you know what? I think I think the thing that would make me sick more, because in a ball pit, a lot of the germs are hidden. You yeah. can smell the piss, yeah. but I, I say the <laughs> Cheeto dust. But just fucking... In the ball pit, you can no, sanitise no, your hands the, throughout. With the Cheeto dust... Um, uh, um, actually, officially called Cheetle, by the way. Um, uh, how do? Why do you? Fuck off, Sean. No. <laughs> why was that? How um, do you know it's called Cheetle? Um, that's what it's officially called. It's called Cheetle. By whom? 
um, by the company. Che- the che- you know the the panda. What is he? What is he? Tiger. Chester Cheetah. Chester. That's why he's a cheetah. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense now. What are those things from Gremlins? Called? Sean, why do you know so much about this? Cheetos. Um, because I like Cheetos. Anyway, nice. if, you, if anyone out there wants to no, see a good video on YouTube, type was, in. Uh, shut up! Shut up! I'm trying to give a recommendation. A, type in Cheeto Champ on YouTube. It's about a kid that found a really big Cheeto. Um, so yeah, Cheetle. Uh, um, so so definitely um, not So if you guys, I'm living that fucking nightmare every time we play. So have you, you seen the state? Sure. Okay. So no, I'm sorry about this. I'm no, sorry about this. Right, it's fine. No, I'm sorry about this. But recently, <laughs> I did punch a drink over by accident at the table. <laughs> right, I did, and it went all over Sean's sheet, and so I rewrote up his sheet it's and I got rid of his old one and his other one despite, without even looking at the gin and tonic that was all over it it was fucking horrible I mean that was cheat. it was cheetle all over the place mate it was covered <laughs> in fucking cheetle man <laughs> He hasn't even eaten any. His, his, his fingers that's are the, that's, oh, the, he's that's the magic of being me. But no, like to answer the question, right? If you guys had some every, cheese, every session, uh, like, every just, every like, session for a summer. No, um, right. Every time, every time we end the game, I have to Hoover where Sean is sat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah, the Americans, yeah, yeah, yeah. vacuum cleaning. No, but like my point Got is, it. right? There's some. People. Right? Would you rather have that? That dust on you from your friends or would you rather have unknown piss and shit from a ball a ball pit so oh, I'll, probably, I'll take the cheetah I think I think the unknown because I could come home and wash my clothes and in yeah. fact I've been in a scenario like that where mm. we were at a con and the just I won't yes. explain why but there was a slide there and we went down it yes. and it turned out somebody had had a piss in there now the sad thing is is this was a detour from my ma- from sort of my main holiday for going to see my mum right mm. so I only packed a single pair of clothes because I knew I was only there for three days right and I wanted to fill up my bag with RPGs so my jeans got soaked in piss instantly you went and changed yours James but then I was just like I've got to wear these piss jeans for three days I just sprayed them with loads of deodorant hoping it would disinfect it or something fucking horrible but uh, no actually the cheetle makes me feel a bit sick so it would be I would go to ball pit yeah yeah because I did pay he's talking about having the the dust on your fingers for the whole time that is fucked. I mean, that would be fuck. I mean, that would be so nasty. But Sean's sheets are always as chocolate. But Sean lives like cheat all. Yeah, he does. That's to be fair. Yeah, he does. That's the only reason he's growing his beard out. So when he goes, when when he wipes his, his hand on his beard, he starts to get, take the cheetah off. That's his nature's fingers. napkin, right there. <laughs> Fucking Flaming to be fair, though, that spilled gin and tonic couldn't have made that floor any worse. Um, is there anything, made it cleaner? To be is there honest. anything better than pe- either pizza Cheetos or flaming hot Cheetos? Like, not really. Full sex with a woman? Yeah, I, just, I don't know about that. I'd like, you know, what you don't have, you Full don't sex miss. With a man? Sean is a gay lord. Just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, he's the lord of them, which shows how badly that community's doing. <laughs> Doctor Mumson, he says you finally have your copy of Weird Frontiers. Don't bring that, mate. That hurts. What's your verdict? Um, so for those that don't know uh, I waited for like nine years to get my fucking coffee of Weird Frontiers <laughs> then had a bit of an argument with the guy that made it and then we settled it amicably where he said that he would send me a print on demand code I've it's been two years I've still yet to have that code um, never going to play Weird Frontiers because even if it comes out now it's going to be worse than what I because that was a backer that a backing that he didn't correctly um, provide right well yeah he did. He didn't but it, well it came to it and it was 90 quid for postage right that's what it was and I was saying not only was it woefully mismanaged but I find out three years later that I need to pay another 90 fucking quid it's not going to happen so badly managed but you know what on a related note DCC good John 
Joseph Goodman, if you're listening, can you stop fucking trying to take money out of my account for DCC Dying Earth, please? I'm not paying it. It's got an old card on my Kickstarter thing. And every day I get three emails saying, your payment for Dying Earth did not go through. I'm never fucking paying it. I think that's Don't it. stop asking me, Goodman Games, please. It's not happening. I don't want it anymore. I need to bite my tongue now because there's a joke in there somewhere. God. Um... Just say there's what, no the, time to buy. Just give us some hints here about a, the joke. I mean, it's not really. I mean, it's just really a Jewish joke, really. Because sure. but <laughs> sure. what is wrong with you? <laughs> when have we ever said racist humour on this show? I mean, all, loads, but like, all the time, like Oi. You're really times. pissing me off, man. <laughs> several times this episode, really. But when have I been racist? All the time. What are you talking about? You're going to make jokes about Jewish... You know they're the one that you don't go after, out of all of them. Yeah, I suppose. Go t- yeah. Take a piss out of one of the white ones. But I'm Polish, though, so, like, you know... That's worse. Yeah, that's definitely worse. <laughs> that's worse. Fucking clean James's car, for goodness sake. <laughs> with, with chilli sauce with it. I'm sure, I'm sure my... <laughs> Uh, right. Anyway, that's the racism. Um, he do- Mumson does have a serious question. He says, "How could you make a duel, as in, I challenge you to a duel, different and more interesting in a re- regular combat scenario?" Yu-Gi-Oh so- cards. <laughs> <laughs> that was so quick. Yes, mate. Have you seen that with that? Beyblade. Have you seen that video of the guy who's playing Yu-Gi-Oh in VR and he just keeps on pulling cards and just talking like he's in Yu-Gi-Oh, but he's not actually following the rules? The other guy's like having a brain hemorrhage because the first guy's just like, "I play Pot of Greed, allowing me to play two more cards and the other guy's like I don't know that's not how it went but it's like a real scenario that's happening. <laughs> I'm just imagining that um, Jules so instead of just rolling off against each other then having a fight right a duel I think Savage Worlds does a really good one and I think there needs to be a mod made to it but in Deadlands essentially what it is if I recall correctly the, the main thing is that the DM starts drawing each person gets cards and they're called hold cards right then the GM starts drawing some down on the table until uh, one player shouts stop and then they fire first but they have to have a better poker hand than the other player so it's about building up a poker hand until you think you've got a one that they can't beat which is kind of cool but uh, it does require express knowledge of poker hand which, to, which, which none of us really have well I, I do you had to learn it though for the games more or less but um, but the thing is is that you didn't and you were probably yeah. the only person who did it duel when we played Deadlands yeah, so you yeah. just so waited for fine. all of the river cards to come out and then just went right who's got the better hand and that was it yeah. but they are very exciting and uh, you kind of have to roll to see who the crowd sh- saw shoot first as well so that who, who gets arrested and you have to make a better poker hand it's kind of Cool. Is that the last time we did a duel? It's the last time in Deadlands. Also, fucking DCC has pretty good rules for magical duels, which are kind of cool. Like the shit you see in Harry Potter, where there's two spells for, or two Kamehamehas flaming off against each other. Nice. That's pretty cool. Although, um, Joseph Goodman did say that he wrote the rules in an afternoon and he's not sure they're very balanced or good, but they are fun. I'll give it that. Um, that is basically it. What was the jo- joke you're going to make about Jewish people then? Because I'm not even sure Joseph Goodman is Jewish, Sean. He's he's Jewish. No, he must his be. Name. Yeah, he must be Jewish. Come I mean, no, no, that's that's let's, profile. Let's look this up. Let's look. Let's Racial look. profile. Sean, he's just a man. Who? Joseph Goodman. He's just a bloke. Oh. Um, it's just that he's just can American. We, can we cut? Out, can we cut? Out, no. Can we cut out the Jewish bits then? But what were you going to say? I wasn't. I forgot. All right. Sort of, you can't say forgot. Sort of that's, like, a, that's a slur as well. Sort of a, sort Against of a, your own people. It's a whole hornet's nest of racism going on here. Yeah, it's I just... horrible. Um, let's go into the outro, shall we? Yeah. Right, that's minus one. Oh. That's minus two. Oh. Minus three. <laughs>
It's been nice. It's been it's just been good getting it's back together good. again. No, it's been good. I, yeah. I've it's like it. I haven't seen you in ages. I know, it's, it was so much to catch no, up on despite the fact we see each other like great. once a week, sometimes the pub. Um yeah, well I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been good. The yeah, next one that's coming up we're gonna be reviewing the Monty Python RPG. Um spoiler, it's it's as shit as I thought it would be. And um yeah, and so, I still don't have the hardback copy even though it was meant to be delivered October last year. And you need the dice catapult as well, that's the main thing. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. I paid an extra nine quid for it. Yeah. But uh I actually would say that I'm really happy that we did this particular episode. Even though we took yeah, the piss so. out of Sean because he should have done it. I, felt, um, I, just, it, I just felt like the need to I explain did. myself I did. and I also finally it. get round to that fucking review that CJ let's be honest he's given us some stuff he's basically paid us he, to do a review he's a beautiful man be bothered. he's a beautiful man but he is um, like you know he should have he really should have he, like, really, sh- he really should have sent more because that, <laughs> that's what, that's what would have made me review it alright I like Savage Pathfinder, but not that fucking much. You know, like he's, no, he's got a problem with trains, but he's he's a good guy. Stop referencing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas every time we spoke spoke about CJ. That wasn't funny the first time you did it. Why like, Sean finds himself so funny? He goes, he's laughing so much. He is right now. so beside himself. Then he's got quiet laughs. That was great. That was great. Because right. remember when we first spoke about CJ when he sent us some goodies and Sean, Sean was like, he's probably doing that mission with big smoke right now. <laughs> Fucking. That was funny. Come on. Yeah, yeah that one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just enjoy a joke, you know. I, I just, milk it. I just, milk I just it, enjoy a good. I just enjoy a good joke. So anyway, Jews. About that. No, that's no. I love Jews. Yeah, yeah. Orange apple apple juice. juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell alright if you want to contact us 3trpgpod at gmail.com also buy our products on uh, drive through RPG 3trpg publishing so yeah. if you give one of those buy one of those it gives us a little tip and also you get little products with it for free yeah and uh, go find find the discord server if you're not on it already we've got the permanent link. I'm never on it we've got the permanent <laughs> link in the uh, fucking uh, description, uh, description. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember what it's called so just click on that and get involved in the discord there's a lot of really nice people there are, yeah the people are nice uh, I'm not on it so uh, and I'm not nice so uh, the, the that's need, why you're not yeah. I, had to, I had to I had to ban him yeah for in the bum yep Ben Stiller good guy what why is that what are you talking about now he's, Jew- he's Jewish isn't he He's trying to claw it back because he was about to make a joke about Jewish people. Seth Rogen. Just ah, uh, oh, Sean. Right, Sean. Uh, Sean, just right. Here's what I'm going to do. Right. No, we need to make sure this is equal. You've been re- you've been horrible to the people of to the of the Jewish faith, I'm who, just, let's be honest, have so had a hard time recently. It's like right. It's, it's, so no, you're going to have to insult all the other races. Say what's wrong with them. French. Um. Just cut one word. French. Uh, bit like. I mean, I don't really like. I don't like. I'm putting the spot here. I can't just like you. Just can't Romanians. Um, they remain. Right. No, well, I don't you're know. supposed to say something funny. Come on, I'm, I'm throwing you a ball here. Right, right. Germans. Um, like sort of like the, the, I mean, I don't know because like you know every, anything from like 1939 to 1945, I'm not sure about. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Why does it always come back to the Holocaust with you? You're a fucking prick. We're stopping the podcast. Uh, goodbye everyone I've been Harrison Hunt I've been James Clark Uh, I don't think you should be saying goodbye Sean I don't think you've earned it get out much love get out
He's actually staying. I need the loo. He's, he's just going. He's just. I need the loo. He's running away. We're still going. Sure, not only were you racist, but you walked away from your mind. No, no, I haven't. Fuck off. Go away. Sean, you can leave. Go away into your. Go away into your racist area. Right. Wait a second. Just in case we need a different outro. <laughs> if you choose to, if no, I'm keeping that one. In. Oh, okay. Because it's not me, is it? I, no, sure. I will, I, he's he's the one that's messed up. That's all staying. Irina, it's all Sean's fault. Yep. He's always hated them. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, I, I could be talking about anything. Just them. Have <sighs> you, you had a good time? Uh, I'll tell you what. It was really nice, and I'm glad that um, it was good to get back into the uh, fucking. Special fucking bumper episode here, mate. We've got yeah. about two and a half hours. That's amazing. All right. Well, it's your birthday later, so we'll celebrate later on. Yes. That you're starting at four o'clock for some fucking reason. I just thought it'd be quite nice to sort of get together and... Um, uh, Is it going on until late? Yeah. All right. So just to chill out. No, I thought that what you were doing was you were starting at four and then we would had to go home at eight or something. No, fuck that. All right. Sweet. Oh, he's back. Right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.